Hi, Leadheads. Welcome back to the Talking Lead Podcast. This is episode 230, the big 230 we are. This is uh, our first, I guess, official first episode of the new year of 2018. Uh, last week, we rolled in our interview uh, from the guys over at Glock where they were unveiling the new the uh, new G19X, the new Gen 526, and the new Gen 534. And that was an awesome episode. I didn't really count that as my official first episode of the new year because I actually recorded it uh, a few weeks before that. So uh, to kick off my official 2018 episode, I've got none other than the Beastmaster himself, Nick Atkinson. Nick, welcome in, buddy. What's happening? So we're the first of 2018, huh? This will be our, yeah, this will be the af- official first interview of 2018. Yes. If you're not first, you're last. Yeah, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, man? How are you? Doing good, man. Um, we got a lot to talk about with you. You've been uh, on a, a whirlwind hunt out west. So we're going we're gonna to talk to Nick about an awesome hunt that he just got back from and uh, a couple of new projects he's got in the works. And uh, we're going to have a jack wagon train come in. So our first jack wagon train of the year is going to be rolling in here pretty soon. But uh, what is that? That's, oh, somebody's calling me here. Who, who is? Interrupting hey, hey, yeah, hey, Nick, can you, can you hold on a second? I need to take this call. I guess. All right, hold, hold on just one second. You've reached the lead quarters. Can I help you? This is left hand. Hey, Marty. How are you? Well, hello there. Is is this Sean? You know it's me. You know my number. You got it in your phone. <laughs> Caller ID, Sean here, and on the line here with We Like Shooting. Uh, you got a little mood music there in the background, buddy. What's going on? Just a song I've been listening to a lot lately. Uh, you know, I think that I think that maybe um, there's some people that I miss, some people that I'd like to spend more time with. Oh yeah, so you, you've had something on your mind? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know that I took over, uh, purchased Firearms Radio Network a few months ago, right? That is, that's correct. Congratulations on that, buddy. That was huge. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, but you know, it's just always felt like there's a piece of me missing. Oh yeah, yeah. And you know what that piece is? What What would that be? What What are you missing? Left hand, I'm missing you, buddy. Holland <laughs> Oaks, baby, come back. Sean is here to to help me make a huge announcement, Leadheads. In case you haven't figured it out yet, that's right. Talking Lead is back with the FRN, the Firearms Radio Network. Woohoo! Thanks. Uh, Even my studio audience applauded to that one. That's awesome. That's awesome. So we're excited. You and I have actually been talking about this for a while. We've had it in the works. And uh, we, have. we thought episode 230, our our first full episode of the new year to kick it off and, and make the announcement that Talking Lead is back at FRN, ladies and gentlemen. I love it. I love it. We're really excited to have you. Uh, so, you know, my goal at, at Firearms Radio Network is to have the best stable of content, uh, the one-stop shop for listeners who are Second Amendment advocates, just to, to go and listen to their to listen to podcasts, things like that. And you know, how can we be the best if we don't have you? 
Well, I appreciate that. I think you might be uh, overreaching a little bit there with that, but I, I'm happy to be a stallion in your stable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, so we secret, secretly recorded a video, um, what, three months ago, I think, now. Yeah, it was at the in Georgia at the IREC Vet YouTube shoot. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so it's creepy. It's creepy, and it's going to launch right around the time that the show launches, so everyone will be able to watch it and make fun of us. That's awesome. So now you guys, in addition to everywhere else that you're able to download and listen to the show, uh, you can go, like like Sean said, one-stop shop, and you can listen to Talking Lead at the FRN now as well. So that's that's awesome. We're looking forward to uh, maybe getting some of our listeners back that we uh, that we lost back in the day when, when we made the split, but I think a lot of people understand why that happened. And now that you've taken over, all our confidence has been fully restored, and we're glad to be back, man. We're proud to be back. That's awesome. We're proud to have you. I, I seriously, like, we've been friends for a long time, and uh, it, it's great to be back under the same banner with both of our shows or, you know, all the shows that we do. So uh, I'm super, super excited. I know that's obviously a tough decision for you, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm confident that we'll be, we'll, we'll take over the world together, buddy. I'm, I'm really proud Abs- to have you back. Absolutely, man. And, and you guys, you Leadheads, you can expect a lot of crossovers between shows. So we're going to be getting a lot of the guys from the FRN over on the Talking Lead show. And, uh, if there's so inclined, you know, you may be hearing me on, on more of those shows as well. Love it. I'm, I'm super, super excited. Uh, firearmsradio.tv is where you can find all the shows in the Firearms Radio Network, which will now be including Talking Lead. Talking Lead, the Leadhead Brigade, ladies and gentlemen. Sean, thank you so much. We're going to uh, see you guys at SHOT Show coming up here just uh, this week as listeners are listening to the show. We're going to be in Vegas. Now, are you you guys going to, uh, are you going to be at the Antares try and buy event? Yeah, we will. So I fly in Saturday night because that was actually fun last year. And and to be perfectly honest, man, uh, for us, every opportunity that we can actually get to get hands on guns and fingers on triggers, that's the kind of stuff that we go to. A lot of the parties are kind of fun and stuff like that. Uh, In fact, you know, we're doing a couple. However, if we can get hands on guns, that's the best kind. So we'll definitely be at the Antares Alliance uh, try and buy event. Very cool. So we'll definitely see you there Sunday. That's going to happen Sunday. Sunday, yeah. Sunday. And then Monday is the, the SHOT Show range day, so uh, we'll be there. And then, of course, as everybody knows, I don't know if I told you this or not, but Talking Lead will be at the Caltech booth. That is going to be the official lead quarters for Talking Lead at the 2018 SHOT Show. So make sure that uh, you tell all the gang that's coming from FRN to stop by, and uh, we'll have a good time. We'll get everybody on, and we'll cut up and do our usual shenanigans. All right, man. I love it. I'll send out an email to everyone. I'll even include you on it now that you're back in business with the FRN. We are back, baby. And one more time, give them the the website, the links where they can can go to check out all the awesome shows at FRN. The best way, just firearmsradio.tv. Put it in your browser. Go there. Click. I've brought uh, now six shows onto the network since I took over. Uh, They're all doing extremely great. I'm really excited about it. Um, Yeah, yeah, you're you're doing like two personally, right? Uh, two shows a week? Uh, yeah. Uh, no, I do more than that. I do four shows a week. So <laughs> Holy I'm on, crap, dude. I'm on We Like Shooting. I do We Like Shooting Double Tap. I took over the hosting roles of This Weekend Guns, and I'm also on a show called Gun Funny. Gun Bunny or Gun Funny? Gun Funny. Oh, well, tell me about that one. I'm not familiar with that. Uh, so that one actually is hosted by Ava Flamel. Uh, she was on We Like Shooting for a while, and she wanted to do, uh, do her own thing, which is awesome. Uh, uh, she asked me to do it with her. Uh, I just play co-host duties there, so it's kind of nice not having to take all the leadership role there. 
and you know, it's really, she comes to things from a, from a female perspective and I think it's great. She's got a lot of female guests and one of the best parts is she's got a lot of female listeners. And, and honestly, if we can bring those listeners to the firearms radio network by having a really strong female lead, uh, hosting a show, I'm all for it. I think it's great. I love that show. We do prank calls. We do in-depth interviews and we try to kind of get to the root of why people are in the business and things like that. So yeah, so it's, it's one of the good ones in my, in my opinion. Very cool. I'll add that to my, my podcast list. All right. Awesome, man. Go, go to the website, firearmsradio.tv. Uh, there's some really, uh, some really great other ones. Um, and there's some mention them. ones that mention them like uh no that's what we're right, here so we for. Got mention them trauma medical podcast called the platinum 10 podcast we've also got trigger words with ryan kleckner i know uh, most people are familiar with him even if they don't know who he is but that's a gun or i'm sorry that's a podcast about gun laws politics and all kinds of things uh he's uh going to record episode 10 tonight and it's one of those podcasts that's uh short it's about 30 minutes and i listen to every episode three or four times because there's so much information and it's so important to us as gun owners to actually uh get some of that um we've also got the after action Pro- puts trainers and their students on the same uh on the same podcast and gets to talk about different training items that happened out there from both the instructor perspective and the student perspective <laughs> oh uh we brought the gun collective is now doing a podcast uh john Patton and adam crowder doing a podcast on the firearms radio network oh really and- I, okay i wouldn't familiar well wouldn't aware of that i knew that they had a youtube channel that they did yeah, yeah, they do the YouTube channel and all that stuff, but they have now launched a podcast. Uh, I worked with them for quite a while to, uh, A, convince them to do it, and then, B, to make sure that they did it under the Firearms Radio Network banner. There you go. Very cool. Yeah, so Platinum Plan, gun, the Gun Collective, Trigger Words, Gun Funny, After Action Project, and I'm in negotiations with, negotiations with a couple more existing podcasts, and I'm also in development on a couple new ones. Very cool. So you guys stay tuned as those new podcasts become available. We'll give you exclusive here on Talking Lead and let you know where to go to listen to them. Sean, again, excited about this. Thank you so much for reaching out and uh, and making this possible. And I mean, it couldn't have been could have been easier. I mean, you made it smooth and uh, it was a no brainer. So thank you so much for welcoming the Leadhead Brigade back to the Firearms Radio Network. Can't wait to have them back. Uh, you know, like I said, we've been friends a long time. Love you, man. Welcome back. I'm glad to have you. And, you know, before before you let me go, let's just uh, go out to some dulcet tones of David <laughs> back. Hollow Notes. Trying to forget you was just a waste of time. Baby, come back. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon, man. Welcome back. All right, bro. Appreciate it. See you, see you in a couple right. of weeks. Actually, in a couple of days. <laughs> exactly, man. All right, so awesome call from our buddy Sean over at We Like Shooting, the Firearms Radio Network. Big news. So I hope you guys are excited as we are to be to be rejoining the Firearms Radio Network and uh, that whole slew of, of shows that Sean's been putting together and revamping and really building that network back up. So we're very proud to be back. Baby comeback. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry about that, Nick. Uh, uh, completely unexpected there. It's okay. I'm excited for you. But I think our I think our listeners know that was planned. So, <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, it's gonna be awesome, man. So uh, I don't. Have you met Sean before? I have. I, uh, the whole Cobalt team did the podcast. Um, his his podcast. What's it called? The We Like the, Shooting. We Like Shooting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great, yeah, great group of guys one, over uh, there. I can't remember if we did it 2017 or 2016. One of those at Shot Show. It was fun. Okay. Well, cool. I know that uh, they've got some big events planned for Shot Show, so 
you and I are going to be at SHOT Show. So we are. Uh, I'll make sure you get uh, the info to where all those cool events are going to be happening. Awesome. So you can join us. So crashed um, I crashed the party like he crashed our interview. <laughs> exactly. There you go. <laughs> That'd be cool. But uh, I, I hear I hear the gunny bringing in that jack wagon train right now. So all, all kinds of interruptions. I know it, man. I mean, this <laughs> first of the year. Everybody, out early. <laughs> everybody's wanting to get on the first episode of the year. So let's uh, you know, gunny takes precedence over everybody. So that's true. Bring that train in, gunny. Hooray! Simplify, do or die. Hold them high at eighth and I. It is time for the talking lead jack wagon of the week. So brace yourself, baby. All right, the uh, first jack wagon train of 2018 has stationed, and uh, I always always defer to my guest, Nick, so if you've got somebody you want to throw on the jack wagon train, you get first dibs. Man, we, you know, I always kind of like have just general people, and I, I find it very hard to come up with specific people, um, because there's a specific person that fits into a general category, and usually everybody in that category... <laughs> deserves to be on, right. <laughs> on it. Um, but like you said, I was on a hunting trip uh, over the last week or week and a half, and uh, I'm just going to go with every single person in the airport and not necessarily <laughs> a specific everybody. airport. Well, actually, no, I will go with a specific airport. Uh, this What is it? Seattle-Tacoma? Is that what it is? There is a Seattle-Tacoma. I've never yeah. been to that airport. Yeah, that one. So, So what makes them deserving of the jack wagon train what did what happened there uh, man what didn't happen it's like so whenever <laughs> I, whenever i flew up uh actually when i flew up and flew back um i booked two different flights because i could basically get a, a ticket on points from southwest mm-hmm. uh from austin to seattle so basically a free flight right right uh, and then seattle to Missoula, Montana, I only had to pay like 150 bucks round trip for that flight because it's a real short flight. And I guess it's a pretty popular flight because of uh, University of Montana or whatever's up there in Missoula. Uh-huh. Um, so on both legs of the trip there and back, I had to fly up on one airline, go get my baggage. Um, recheck it. Recheck it in a different air. Oh, yeah, geez. different airline. So I got a double whammy of dealing with airline employees. And, and you're probably traveling with firearms too, right? Yeah, you know, not it's it's not as bad as whenever I fly to a three gun match because I only have I only had one rifle with me, my hunting rifle, and then uh, just a little bit of ammo. But I have a lot of stuff because, like, when we went to Alaska in October. You know, I was there for three weeks, and when I'm going, when I went on this hunt in Montana, Idaho, I was there for ten days. So, uh, I've got all my hunting gear, all my cold weather gear, uh, like two pairs of boots, and just all kinds of stuff. So, I've got bags on bags on bags, and they're all like almost overweight. So, <laughs> um, yeah, just it, just the experience of dealing with the people that. Just do a very dealing with a job. Yeah, you just know. <laughs> the nonsense that we have to go through nowadays for our uh, supposed safety. Yeah. And every airport every day of the week is different, it seems like. But uh, I went to, let's see. So I flew up there on Southwest, and I actually had an overnight stay in Seattle because the way the flights lined up wouldn't really work out for me to get there when I needed to get there. So where so, was the actual hunt? The actual hunt was in. The hunt was in the Bitterroot Valley, 
wilderness. Of which, uh, well, okay. So in Montana, it's called the Bitterroot Valley, and when you go across the border into Idaho, it's called something different. I can't remember. Idaho, yeah. So your yeah. final destination was Idaho, but you had to go. <laughs> yeah, all these you could different places to get Montana. There. Yeah. yeah, I I spent the night in Seattle. Went uh, to check my bags early in the morning because my flight was early and get there and I walk up to the, the check bag line and this lady that barely spoke English, but she's an employee in the United States of a com- I don't, whatever <laughs> that drives me crazy too. It's like you deal with the general public. People should be able to understand you. Yeah. Uh, she tells me I've got to go, um, you know, check in on one of those kiosks and I was like, okay, that's fine. Uh, but I have firearms I need to check. And she's like, go do that first anyway. I'm like, okay. okay. So I go over there and I do a little check-in and they ask me how many bags I've got to check. And I've got, you know, my firearms case, a really huge duffel, uh, duffel bag with like all my hunting stuff, plus my hunting, my day pack in it. And then I've got a cooler uh, to bring back any meat or anything, whatever. So I've got all this stuff Jeez. and yeah. I do all the thing and I'm like, it prints out your bag tags right there. Mm-hmm. And I walk back over and she's like, okay, tag your bags. And I was like, okay, but I need to check a firearm. She's like, we'll just tag your bags and then go to this line. And I was like, okay. So I put the bag, the bag tags on. I go to the line, get up to the front of the line. And another lady is like, uh, you have firearms? Cause I've got this huge Pelican case. Sure. You know? I was like, yep. And she goes, well, you're in the wrong line. And I was like, <laughs> and you know, I waited in this line for like a half hour. Oh my God. And I was like, that lady over there okay. told me. Yeah, and she's like, you need to go down there. And I said, she told me I need to come down here. She's like, well, you're in the wrong line. I said, listen, I'm just doing what I was told. So you tell me where to go, and I'll go there. You know, and I've kind of got an attitude because of course, I, I hate when you follow the instructions, and the instructions you were given were wrong. Yep. It's like if you bought something at Ikea, and you know it told you to put it together completely backwards, <laughs> and you put it together completely backwards, and you're like, Listen, bro, I know exactly what you're talking about because it, yeah, yeah. it happens to It seems like it happens more times than not, too. You yeah. think these people so, that work at the airport would know what yeah. you're supposed to do. So I, I, I walk over to this other line, stand there, and the guy that line's like, why are you bring all these bags over here? And I was like, this is where they told me to bring my stuff. <laughs> and uh, so I told him, he's like, well, what they're supposed to do is take your other two bags from you over there. And then you bring your firearm over here. And I was like, that's kind of what I figured, but you know, I'm just doing what I'm told. Yep. But two and, people. Uh, so I was like, Hey, and by the way, I've got TSA pre-check and global entry. Like you sign up for this deal, you go do a background check, you do a, yeah. Um, we use an interview, that in Denver. Yeah. You know, you do an interview with the TSA and then they give you like a, I think it's like a four year approval for pre-check. Right. Yeah. And uh, so I was like, Hey, I've got pre-check and they didn't put it on my ticket. Cause I got the ticket at this kiosk and he's like, okay, well let me see if I can put it on there. So he, you know, types in his stuff. He's like, Oh, that's weird. It won't work. I was like, okay, <laughs> but I have pre-check and he's like, yeah, but you don't get it all the time. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, it's only like 80% of the time. I was like, okay, whatever. Like, no, I'll pay extra for that. Well, I was like, whatever, you know, take my stuff. So I take, drop my guns off of the TSA, give him a bags. And he's like, call somebody else over there. And he's like, Hey, he's got pre-check, but I can't get it to work. And they're like, okay, I'll take him and like walk him through. And I was like, sweet. And cause part of what pre-check is, is you don't have to take off your jacket. You don't have to take off your shoes. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go through the body scanner. Just walk through with everything. Uh, yeah, basically, you just walk through security. I mean, you got to go through a metal detector or whatever. It's yeah. no big deal. And you can skip pretty much the entire security line. 
So that's why I got it is because sometimes you wait in these security lines that are like two hours long. And I walk up there and he's like, okay, go right through here. So I walk right through there and all that does is take me to the front of the regular line. And I was like, <laughs> it's not pre-check. Yeah. Well, yeah, I hand it, I hand my stuff to the, to the TSA girl. And I was like, wait a minute, is this not pre-check? And she's like, nope. I was like, man. So now I got to take my boots off. And I, hun- I was wearing my hunting boots because I'm trying to take as little stuff as possible. And I've already got to take two pairs of boots. Yeah. So I'm, you know, doing all that and whatever. Get through, get done. So uh, the way back, the same thing happens in Seattle. They're like, no, we can't add it on there for some reason. But this never happens on any other airline or any other airport. Did right? you find out why? No. I was just like, oh, my God. You know, so yeah, so it was just at this one airport that this was happening, or the airport in that airline because I didn't have to do it on Southwest either. Yeah, because like whenever I was, whenever I had my airline, let's call them out. Um, so it was Alaskan, but it was operated by Horizon or something like that. You know what I mean? It's (laughs) it's like not it's it's some company that they own or partner with or whatever. But I, I I feel like they just probably screwed up because I'm not even sure that's a real thing you only get it like 80 percent of the time they're I just, just they're just it. telling you you know okay yeah you're good yeah. just so you won't cause a scene or anything just- <laughs> <laughs> well yeah so uh it kind of pissed me off that's uh yeah because i paid like 200 dollars for pre-check you know so i got i've got a, a kind of an opposite story of that so we went to denver uh for christmas and uh when we were getting to the airport there was like a, a huge crash mm-hmm and uh, it put us way behind. So we were like thinking we weren't even going to make the flight. And, you know, it's heavy travel time that time of year. And, of course, you know, it was sad. We are flying southwest, and it was backed up. I mean, there were people everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to give kudos to people who fly, other people in the airport, because everybody we asked were like, hey, we're getting ready to miss our flight. Can we get through? Can we cut line? Not one person did not let us move yeah. forward in front of them and, and move ahead. And we got there with just like by the skin of our teeth, we got to our gate and, and got on. And I mean, it was, there was four of us. So checking our bags yeah. and doing everything, going through the security. Uh, and we actually used the, the, the pre-check too. So we were able to yeah. boot scoop through that. It made it real quick, but yeah, so you I had a good check. experience with, uh, with other, um, fellow <laughs> travelers. Yeah, you have the exact opposite experiences that I do in airports, I guess. I had another. <laughs> well, that's just one a, time that that's happened. I, I usually am like you, where I'm getting the run around and people saying, go here, do this. When you And it's like, I want to be an asshole, but you can't be too much of an asshole because they'll just be like, well, you're go not to jail. <laughs> they'll arrest you. I had another one um, that uh, I was flying to a three-gun match. And I booked the tickets through like Travelocity or Expedia or something where they book all the tickets for you. Yeah. And there was a plant or there was an airline change in there. Oh, right. Yeah. And uh, so when I'm checking in, uh, when I'm checking my bags, the lady's like, well, you're switching airlines. So you have to pick up your bags and recheck them. And I was like, okay, well, this shows I have like a 30 minute layover. How am I supposed to do that? She's like, you just, that's the way it works. And I was like, okay. And, <laughs> There's a bunch of airlines. Well, there's a bunch of airlines that have um, like baggage agreements, so you don't have to do that. But it was American Airlines or United. I can't remember which. I think it was American Airlines. They said, uh, "Well, yeah, you can. We have a baggage agreement, but not for firearms." (laughs) I was like, (laughs) "What's the difference? It's a bag." Yeah, yeah. It's got my name on it. I'm picking it up. You know. 
And uh, I was like, okay. So when I get through all that and I'm going like, I'm, I'm waiting to board the plane, I walk over to the ticket counter and I'm like, or not the ticket counter, but you know where you can upgrade and stuff or whatever. Right. And I asked the guy, I was like, Hey, listen, um, I booked this flight on like Travelocity or whatever. And there's an airline change. And the lady at the ticket counter said that I have to pick up my guns and recheck them with the new airline. And y'all won't just automatically transfer them over. And he's like, yeah. Like, you know, tells me this, like, yeah, <laughs> like I was explaining the rules to him. I yeah. wasn't explaining the rules. I was just saying, this is what she told me, you know? And, uh, I said, so is there any way? And he just said, no. I was like, you don't even know what I was going to ask you. And, uh, he was like, okay. And I says, is there any way <laughs> you can like put a note in there or something to like expedite the unloading of my bags? Because I've got like a 30 minute layover. And it's going to be like I'm running to baggage claim, running to the ticket counter. If there's no line, that's the only way I'm going to make it. Is there any way you can just tell him to unload my shit fast? You know? And he was like, no. sir, that's the way the rules are. And if you don't like them, I can contact the police and you can talk to them about it. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? what? Yeah. And that's, I, I the swear police? to God, that's the exact conversation. This that's is the police matter now? That was like word for word how short this conversation was and how Dude, fast it went to I that. I would have gotten his name. Well, so I, this was like five years ago and I was I was still a cop and I was like, um, You should have put the badge him. out, dude. I said, no, I was just like, call him. And I, I said, call the police and they can come over here and we can talk to him about uh, baggage claim issues and I'll tell him that you said that uh, they were the ones to talk to about it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because I know how I would react if I got that call. I'd be like, this guy said that, you know? So (laughs) I was like, I was like, so what you're telling me is, uh, Oh no, no, no. There was another part in there where he said something about uh, you shouldn't fly with firearms. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, okay. So you're telling me not to fly American airlines ever again. And he was like, well, not if you were going to fly with firearms. And I was like, Okay. Okay. Thanks for supporting this, my Second Amendment right. <laughs> yeah, I'll make sure that that my uh, following understands that your airline does not support our Second yeah. Amendment. Yeah. Right. Oh man, I had a huge Facebook rant after that. Uh, oh, and, and well, and you should. Uh, so I just I walked over there and I stood back in line and I just pull up my phone and immediately start typing. You know, like blasting. Well, I was I can't remember if I typed a Facebook post or if I typed a message to American. I know I did both, but I can't remember if at the time which one I was doing. I'm sure you got like, a nice response from American Airlines. Oh, probably never no got response. one. Yeah, and uh, the best part is, like five minutes after I'm standing there, I'm still typing. I mean, it was like a novel, you know. And uh, this dude walks back over and he was like, "It's just for s- safety of others." And I, I looked at him and I was like, "What are you talking about?" He's like. Well, the firearms procedures that we have. And I said, don't talk to me. And I just like turned and faced <laughs> it and kept, kept, kept typing. You know? <laughs> oh, Shut I your I cake hole, dude. <laughs> I should have been like, where are the cops? Didn't you say you were calling the cops? Right, exactly. <laughs> it's a police yeah. matter. My bags are a police matter now. So everybody yeah. in the airport. We could, do, we could do a whole show. I mean, I could probably do a whole season on airport incidences. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because we go to the airport all the time. So it's like every time you go to the airport, there's a new story. There, there is. I mean, there's just a new case of some some idiot that yeah. uh, doesn't really know what they're doing, but they pretend like I'm smarter than you. And then they always want to bring the police in on it, too, it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> it's all a police matter. But anyway, so yeah, welcome to the Jack Wagon Train. Uh, I guess we're going to go with the, that particular airport. We're going to throw all airports on there. Seattle, 
Tacoma Airport or uh, Horizon Airlines. Horizon yeah, and Horizon Airlines, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and that douchebag from five years ago, he's going on. Okay, let me let me let me say this though: the the lady um, from Southwest in Seattle was super cool because uh, I had three humongous bags, and she only she didn't charge me for any of them. So, well, well there you go. So. Yeah, it ended ended my trip on a good note. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very good. So my jack wagon, it's time for my jack wagon. And you and I were talking about this off air is I just I just started watching that TV show is called Longmire. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been putting it off for years and years and years. I'd always seen I always seen it on Netflix and uh, I just always skipped over it and you know watched something else and then I was uh I was I was watching a I think it was an Instagram live or something from 1776 United James over there. Mm-hmm. And they got to talking about Longmire. I was like, man, I guess I need to check it out. So I guess it was last month sometime. Uh, T and I sat down. We watched the first episode of it, and we got hooked. Mm-hmm. And I think there's like six seasons. So we're on. We're just getting ready to start the sixth season. And where I'm going with this is, if anybody has watched the TV show Longmire, I mean, you just you respect the hell out of that guy. You know, you love you love Walt Longmire the character. But season five, he just turns into like a complete douche and. I'm, I'm throwing Walt Longmire on the Jack Wagon train. Uh, just season five, Walt Longmire. So I'm I'm thinking he's going to redeem himself coming up in season six. See, you have to go deeper than that. It's the writers. Well, it is. You know, it is the writers. <laughs> um, and I just found this out too. Is the guy who plays him? He's he's actually Australian. Oh, really? He's an Aussie. Yeah, he he's got a hell of a freaking. I guess Wyoming is. Uh, he's a Wyoming sheriff. Right. Wyoming accent. He's just got one of those voices, though. I love his voice. Walt Longmire's voice. Interpretations vary. I think it's a poem about a man's destructive rage. Achilles was a warrior. He had a partner, a fellow warrior. A friend. There's no greater enemy than the mortal enemy of a friend. So Achilles confronted his friend's great enemy. Achilles gave the man one warning. There is no weapon, no army that can protect this enemy from the sheer hell that is Achilles' rage. I only watched a couple episodes of it. I couldn't do it, but uh, I think so if you give it another shot, man, you'd you'd get into it. But again, Maybe, yeah. with you being former law enforcement, you know you you're going to pick the the shit out of it. It's and I'm pretty good at like suspending. I'm pretty good at suspending reality and just watching a show that I know there's no way any of it could like um, Sons of Anarchy is a pretty good, uh, pretty good example. See, that's of one that. I've not jumped into yet either. Well, if it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, there's no way this could occur at all, especially in California, yeah, because everybody's carrying a gun all the time and they're like having shootouts on the highway and stuff like that. Right. Everybody knows who these guys are. (laughs) (laughs) And only like two of them throughout the whole thing go to jail, you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, it, uh, I don't know. Whenever I go into a show, if somebody tells me up front, you got to get through the first five episodes and it's really good. Then I, then I can do it. Yeah. But if somebody says this show is awesome from the get go, like breaking bad, it better be awesome from the get go. Was you Breaking know? Bad awesome from the get go? Hell yeah! We, you watched episode one at my house. I did, but I never got. I didn't get hooked on it though. Yeah, we were probably we were multitasking. I think we were coming up with hunting strategies. Oh well, yeah, we were hunting and and videoing but, and recording. You remember, or maybe it was, maybe we watched two episodes. Remember they put that dude in the bathtub or 
uh, the meth head Jesse puts the guy in the bathtub and he falls melts through the floor. I remember him like being out in the desert in this yeah. this house or thing or a uh, not a house motorhome motorhome yeah yeah and doing some crap out there and him shooting somebody and I don't know it was it was yeah. stressful <laughs> it was stressing me out which is yeah. what this Longmire show has been doing to me it's been stressing me out. Breaking Bad is one of those where it's like I watched the entire and I didn't watch it when it was on TV. So I watched the entire series in like three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> you you did some serious binging. Yeah, it yeah. was awesome. So yeah, uh, if you guys haven't watched Longmire, you got to check it out. I think I think most people will like it. And and if you give it, I think if you give it five episodes, then you'll start getting into it. All right, maybe I'll try again. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. All right, so uh, I was going to throw another person on, and I'm just going to leave it real brief, and I'm not going to go into any real big explanations, but uh, as a lot of my listeners know and uh, friends, that I do real estate also. I'm a realtor. I had to deal with one today that was just a complete idiot. Uh, <laughs> so I'm throwing that person on the, <laughs> the jack wagon train. I'm not going to mention any names or anything, but some people are just idiots. Give them a professional They're, courtesy. They Don't should, mention the name. <laughs> they should, yeah, they should not make real estate licenses so easy to obtain. Let's leave it at that. So, all right, Gunny, get that train out of here. I think we uh, we got enough for our first of the year jack wagon train there. <laughs> got her loaded up. So, uh, before we get into talking with Nick about his latest hunt, uh, make sure you guys go back to, I think it was a 223, episode 223, another iconic uh episode number where we talked about his Alaska bear hunt and sharks. You remember that? You remember that one? I, when did we talk about sharks? Uh, I don't know. There was something to do with like jumping the shark or something. And Oh, yeah, we were, yeah. We were talking about so <laughs> yeah, with Fonzie and, and whatnot. Yeah. But, yeah, whenever you say it like that, I, I remember. But whenever you said we talked about sharks, I don't <laughs> Bear hunting and sharks. She's like, what? <laughs> So you yep. gotta title stuff like that so people will ooh, that sounds interesting. Let me listen to this. Then <laughs> <laughs> you hook them in, you know. Right. So um we got another great hunt that we're gonna talk about uh that, that Nick did. Uh he alluded to where it was. We you're in Idaho, is where this was. Yep. And uh before we do that, we wanna go ahead and thank the people who make this show possible. Our awesome sponsors, Right On USA, the official optics of Talking Lead. Make sure you guys go to ritonusa.com and uh, be on the lookout because they've got some new um, rifle scopes that they're getting ready to, to hit with you guys. Um, and I think they're coming out with some new red dots too. I'm not real clear on that, but we're going to have uh, Brady on. Uh, like I said, we got Shot Show coming up. We're going to have a lot of awesome interviews for you guys coming up. So. Uh, go check out Right On USA and use the discount code LEADHEAD when you go there. And you're going to get a nice, sizable discount. And if you're, uh, you're a veteran, then uh, make sure you let them know that. Uh, law enforcement, military, and you're going to get an even better discount. Right On USA. Check them out. Frontier Tactical. Just had those guys at my house this week. Um, they were driving around all over the United States. And when they're out and about and they come through Tennessee, they always stop in and uh, stay at the lead quarters, and uh, they've got some new exciting things coming out for you guys as well. They are the developers of the Warlock multi-caliber system uh, for your AR-15, and then they make their own line of AR-15s. 
and you can shoot up to 90 different calibers with their Warlock system from your single AR-15 platform, Nick. It's pretty cool. So you can go from anywhere from a 22 all the way up to 458 Soka, 50 BMG. I think you can you can do on the all platform you want. Now. It's all you want. It's anything you want, man. <laughs> you can <laughs> you can do it. They've got they've got the pistol configurations for the ARs, um, all up to the you know, full length, long distance precision shooting. All you can handle and more. Exactly. So check them out at FrontierTactical.com. Modern Spartan Systems, as you're as you're purchasing all these firearms from our great sponsors like Frontier Tactical and Glock, and uh, of course you're not going to want to put this on the, the Rhino, but they make products for Rhino, is Modern Spartan Systems. They've got your gun cleaners, lubes, oils, and they've got glass cleaners as well. So definitely can clean your scopes with their products. And oh, by the way, they also have a product for your, your vehicle, the TVT Engine Oil Additive, which has been keeping the old lead sled running now for... Well over 313,000 miles. Uh, we've had a cold snap here in Tennessee, Nick, and uh, the last week or so, temperatures have been down in the teens, and it just zapped my battery. So oh, yeah. I had to get a new battery for the old lead sled. But other than that, she's been running great, knock on wood. I think I'm going to probably have to get a fuel pump for her, too. It might, might be time. <laughs> yeah, she kind of... Get a little sputtering as I go down the road a little bit, so I think it's I think it's probably about time for a new fuel pump uh, on the old girls. But check them out, Modern Spartan Systems, for uh, for all those products I just talked about. And who else? Oh, of course, X-Steel Targets. X-Steel Targets. The best, most affordable AR-500 steel targets on the market today is X-Steel Targets. Check them out at xsteeltargets.com. They've got competition targets. They've got hunting targets. They've got uh, targets for law enforcement, military training, and they've just got some badass fun targets. They've got the Texas Stars. They've got the dueling trees. They've got uh, some other reactive target like hostage targets and things like that. So uh, nothing more satisfying than hearing that ting of the AR-500 steel target. Check them out at xsteeltargets.com. And then you heard me mention uh, Glock. Of course, our last episode was all about Glock, the new... 19X and the new two Gen 5s they've got, the 26 and the 34, which mine just came in today. Uh, I guess the holiday shipping and everything kind of threw everything off, but uh, I got mine a little later, I guess, than most people. But uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of uh, shooting with these guns here in the next few weeks after SHOT Show. Uh, we got SHOT Show to deal with first. Uh, so I'll be posting some stuff on uh, social medias for you guys to to uh, look at and get my feedback on it, but I know this, this 19X is going to be my new, my new carry without a doubt. Are, are they going to do the uh, 19X in a gen four? <laughs> in a gen four? Yeah. Uh, they're not going to go backwards on them. No. Well, I mean, they do a gen four of pretty much everything. They do a gen three of pretty much everything. So I didn't know if they were going to, well, seeing how it. this is the birth of, of them was this generation. They're not going to go backwards on them. You don't think so? No. Yeah, maybe not. No, I'm pretty sure they won't. But this one, this one was designed. This was their design for the military. Oh yeah, that's uh, why they. That's why it is the Gen Five is because they changed exactly. all that crap. Man, see, I would exactly. I like a uh, a 19 slide on a 17 frame, but I'd rather have it in a Gen Four. Gen Four because of the finger grooves. You like the finger grooves? No, um, just so I don't know. I fear change. Uh, <laughs> fear change. If you've not, like the- dude, if you've not shot the Gen Fives yet, you're gonna love them. 
It, okay, so if you uh, if you take Gen Five apart and you look at the the plunger, it's a weird shape. The safety plunger is a mm-hmm. really weird shape. Yeah, and uh, they've done over like thirty uh, internal changes on it. Yeah, see it's, why? <laughs> well, know? it's it's more accurate. I can tell you that for one. Shit, there, dude. Uh, the Glock thirty fours that and I've the, had are like they're stupid accurate. The triggers, they're, the triggers are better on them. I've got aftermarket triggers for that. Well, yeah, but this, this way you don't have to do that. You just buy it right out of the box. You got the Glock marksman barrel on it, and then you got uh, you got the trigger, the nice trigger. Yeah, I mean, but not everybody's not, a competition not, shooter like you are, dude. So. I'm not saying it's not. <laughs> it's probably not better. I'm saying it was so good before. I don't want anything Why change to change. It? No, I understand you know, it. No, because there's there's certain things that I change on my guns personally, just because I like them better a certain way, like the agency trigger. And but my see, guns I was still. like you with the Gen three to the Gen four. I didn't like see, the Gen fours. I love the Gen threes. Like, I like Gen 3s better than Gen 4s. How about that? <laughs> there you go. We're in agreement on something. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. And and now it's getting to the point where you can, you know, Gen 3s are getting hard or getting hard to get. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just, uh, I don't, I don't but, like all. But dude, a huge change for me was I went from a 40 to a 9. How about that? So it yeah. took the Gen 5 to get me over to the 9. So I think we talked about this on uh, the last episode about how you were gay for the forty. <laughs> I think we've G- talked about that on several episodes. Yeah, G H A Y, yeah, G H A Y. Right. But yeah, it. I'm interested to shoot them, and I like the idea of the 19X. I'm just not sold on the Gen Five part of it. Well, this isn't really. The Gen Fives came from this design. That's where I'm. You know, so. Um, this was actually the one that I was hoping that they were, when they, they announced the gen fives, I was hoping this was what they were announcing, but they, yeah. they held off and, and did, and it comes in the new color too. It's got the, oh, yeah. I call it Glock FDE, Glock flat dark earth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a really, it's an interesting color. I like it. It's like a coyote tan almost. Yeah. Almost like a coyote tan. The, and the slide is almost goldish. I mean, it's kind of got a, mm. it's not shiny, but. You're not selling me on it. Well, you got to see it to you know to to really yeah. appreciate it. And talking about it doesn't it. do it justice. I go by there at shot and look at it. Okay, yeah, they'll have them there definitely. Um, are you gonna be at range today? Go shoot them. No, I don't go there. That's a death trap. <laughs> not if you control yourself. Yeah, I mean, dude, it, at any moment, any one of those people could shoot you. Get an ND, yeah. <laughs> No doubt. And some of the guns out there, I don't want to get shot with either. Like they've always got some prototype fifty caliber, <laughs> whatever. I got to shoot the uh, the Hudson there last year. That was a that was a treat. I enjoyed shooting that one. They're uh, the nine millimeter. I can't remember what they call it. I guess it's the Hudson something. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a kind of a new design on the the. It's kind of a, almost a nineteen eleven ish Glock. I don't know. I don't know how to, to describe oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do know what you're talking about. People were like, oh, it's going to be revolutionary, and then yeah. I never heard anything about it after like the third day of SHOT Show. Right, exactly. I haven't heard what much. What happened to that gun anyway? I guess it's still around. It's got its, I, you know, I guess it's got its cult cult following. Wasn't, uh, wasn't that being built in Texas or something? Where were the, I had them on the show. I think it was NRA I had them on the show, and uh, they were talking about it. Really cool people and the whole concept of how they – Sat down and came up with the the design was really cool. The Hudson H nine. There you go. That's it. The Hudson H nine. Yeah, where, man, I remember that was like supposed to be hot shit. And well, so was the uh, Silencer Co's. Was it Maxim? 
Well, the problem with the Maxim is it came out like six years ago, and then they were like, "Oh yeah, we're not going to release it, or it's not till this year." It was it was an M and P, right? Originally, yeah, it was like a yeah, yeah, yep. That's what it, it was, was. An M and P, and then it like then they went back and re-engineered their own gun, and they just what they shot themselves in the foot, pun yeah. intended, I guess. Um, they pulled the curtain too soon. Yeah, yeah, they 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 dropped the news before they were ready to sell them. Is the problem because people would have bought that shit up, and I would probably still buy one, but I'm not. I'd rather have a converted M and P. I don't want some other platform. Yeah. You know? And speaking of all these guns, if you guys go to High Threat Concealment, they can make holsters. For every every gun we're talking about here that that you own, uh, and they do uh, very nice, sleek, uh, concealable systems too. Belt systems, full belt systems uh, for all your carry needs. Uh, check them out at HighThreatConcealment.com. Another sponsor of Talking Lid. And then uh, as you're buying all these guns and gears and everything, you're gonna want bags to put them in. Nick, you gotta have bags. So gotta have those bags. You want to go to VanQuest and get your awesome bags that they've got there. Uh, I I loaded up during Christmas. I got probably four or five. No, I got geez, I got seven new bags from VanQuest over Christmas. And you know, I'm generous. I gave some of those out as gifts. So uh, little Pepper, she's got one. She got a messenger bag, and we used our VanQuest bags uh, during our um, our Denver trip, our ski trip. And, got bags uh, on bags. Got bags on top of bags, man. Just love it. They've even got a gun bag there too. I haven't had a chance to try it out yet. That's my next one to. Uh, to rip open and uh, probably won't get the opportunity to test it during shot. I'm thinking maybe uh, I got a couple of trips after that coming up. I'm going to try it out, see how it works. It's a soft case. It's not a hard case. Cool. So. <clears throat> Hudson Manufacturing is in Texas. Hudson Manufacturing way. is in Texas. Okay. Yeah, that was they're uh, they're in Temple, not very far. They're about an hour and forty five minutes from me. Okay. So if you guys go back to uh, last year's uh, NRA shows, uh, like I said, we did the interview with. I can't remember their names, but the Hudsons, and uh, they talked about that gun. Pretty cool. Yep. Cool so, flashing, flashing the pan. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I'm not dogging it, but come on. It was supposed to be, like, super awesome, and I I literally forgot about it because I haven't heard anything about it since SHOT Show last year. And Weird. I don't – you just looked it up. Did you see a price point on them or anything like that? Um, I was on Wikipedia to find their location because it wasn't on their website, but I'm sure it wouldn't take me long. Let's see. Hudson H9 for sale. Let's do that. Let's see what they're going for. See how easily they are to get. Thousand bucks. Well, that that could be one reason right there. Ah, you know, I mean, what's your run-of-the-mill 1911 cost? Thousand bucks? Uh, no, I mean, you can get a good 1911 for five, or not five, but 700 bucks. I mean, if you mean good, like, like I don't even. No, nah, I don't want to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Watch it. So I mean, looking at this, this looks like a um, kind of like a Smith and Wesson M P to me. What are you talking about? It looks like a nineteen eleven. This Hudson. Yeah. It looks like a Maxim. Really, is what it looks like. Uh, a, a Maxim a, without the suppressor. You're, right. Exactly. <laughs> That's what it looks like. <laughs> that is kind of what it looks like. Uh, their yeah. trigger. They got a little different trigger in there. This one looks is. Like- Looks thousand. like a 1911 with a built-in light. That's kind of what it looks like. Yeah, exactly. Kinda does like, it have a built-in like, light? <laughs> no, I don't think at this point it does. What is that thing? That's that's how the uh, the slide works. It's kind of yeah. it's kind of upside down. It's, oh yeah, like a like a like a bunch of the FN pistols, like yeah. five seven. Yeah, but you see, under the uh, it does look like a. It, see, it does look, see, 
not not like an MP, but it looks like the Maxim. Um, what is the thing in front of the rail? Like that doesn't have anything to do with the slide. Like what is that giant piece of metal there for? Be way cooler if that wasn't there. That's the that's the spring. That's the huh. that's where the spring is. Must be a big ass spring. Oh no, it's just really far down, man. That's really weird. You're talking about in front of the trigger, right? Yeah. Yeah, in front I mean, of the trigger down uh below the slide, that's where the spring is, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Recoil but, spring. Right. But in front of the trigger, in front of the uh where the light bolts on or uh, clamps on. Yeah. Like that that huge piece of metal doesn't need to be there. <laughs> you know. Apparently know. it does. I don't know. They they made it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty weird looking. But yeah, so there's th- you know, there are a thousand bucks. There's some on Gunbroker, um, just doing a quick search on them here. Yeah, so you they're out there in the wild. They're there. You can get them. Looks like. So maybe I should go get in touch with them. See if I can't maybe T and E one. I'll shoot one. I don't care. Yeah, I shot it at. Uh, well, no, I didn't get an opportunity to shoot it. I stepped up to shoot it, and that's when they cut the line off. Right when I stepped up, I was like, oh, "Thanks." So it has. It, there's no external safety on it, right? It's got a grip. It's got a grip safety, maybe, and a trigger safety something. Uh, I don't see a safety on it. Yeah, I don't know. I have to go by there. I I mean, I guess they'll have a booth at Shot Show. I need to go by there. Yeah, it it doesn't look like it's a grip safety either. Um, it's got something right in there in the beaver tail. Maybe that's just. I think that's just the the cutting how it's cut. Yeah, maybe I don't know. See anything about it? Yeah. Anyway, we'll find out. We'll find out more at Shot Show. I'll get them back on, and we'll we'll get these questions answered and more. <clears throat> yeah, tell them to come over and talk to you about it on the podcast. Yeah, it is. So make sure you guys go and support those that are supporting uh, Talking Lead, and always remember to use that discount code Leadhead. And uh, if it doesn't work, get in touch with me, and I'll get uh, get that company to reactivate the discount code for you, Leadhead Special. Oh, and seventeen seventy six United. Our shirts are ready. They're on their website for sale, so you leadheads can go pick up the new Leadhead Brigade t-shirts. Yeah. Fancy. And I should have some at SHOT Show. So uh, if you hit me up, if you guys are coming, and I've got any left, I'll hook you up with the Leadhead Brigade t-shirt. And I'll put one aside for you, Nick. So Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm supposed to bring you a shirt. Which one am I bringing you? The, the skull? Uh, I've, got, I've got that one, I think. I thought you only had the logo shirt. I've got the one with the big. Uh, we got a picture of us wearing it together. The very first one you had. Yeah, this is the logo shirt. I'm yeah. t- I've got I've got some now that just have the big skull on them. Oh yeah, I don't have one of those. Yeah, I need. All right. one. What are they? A large or XL? Large, large, fine. Okay. I mean, I, I'm getting a belly on me, but it's it's going away. <laughs> the way those shirts fit, I can wear like all of them. It's just a matter of how I want it to fit. <laughs> exactly. I can wear the extra large. I can wear the large. I can wear medium yeah. sometimes. But extra medium. Extra medium. <laughs> uh, but yeah, 1776 United, you guys go there and the patches uh, will be along in the next couple of weeks. Takes a little bit longer on those patches, but they're going to be some nice PVC patches. Is that what are the PVC? Is that what they are? PVC patches? Yeah, PVC yeah. patch. Okay. So uh, let's talk hunting. With the Beastmaster himself, Nick Atkinson's. Atkinson's? <laughs> you're, you're making me plural. <laughs> Atkinson's disease? <laughs> Nick Atkinson. Possessive. And uh, this is, so you use a cat hunt and a wolf hunt is what you were going on in Idaho. Yeah, they call it, um, I think it's called like their super predator hunt or something like that. Oh, cool. So, so, it's, so you went with an outfitter, right? You want to- Yeah. Yeah. So it's a uh, mountain lion, wolf. Bobcat, fox, um, 
coyote. Cool. So walk yeah. us through walk us through your hunt. Who what, what was the outfitters that you used? Uh, it's they're called Storm Creek Outfitters. Okay. And uh, there's some good dudes. I enjoyed spending time with them. Uh, pretty reasonable prices too. Uh, I talked to them about a bunch of their other hunts. I'm definitely going to go back up there. I just don't know for which hunt. I don't know if I'm going to do a bear hunt or um, maybe a spot and stock like mule deer hunt because I've got some good mule deer up there. Yeah. But um, yeah, so. It, uh, the primary goal of the hunt was mountain lion and then kind of secondary animals were the, all the others that I mentioned. Um, but the cool thing about hunting with them or what I thought was cool is like in Alaska, um, if you went on a bear hunt, if you shot a bear on the first day, then you're done. You go home. Um, with them, the primary objective is to hunt a mountain lion. You shoot a mountain lion. Well, you paid for eight days. You stay for eight days if you want to. So you, you can, can stay in hunt holes and... Um, you could shoot two mountain lions in that unit, but I only had one tag. Um, but you could hunt wolves and you could hunt fox and you could hunt bobcats or you could just hang out and, uh, they've got a really sweet base camp. Um, that, uh, and I'll, I'll talk about that more. That's just kind of fun to hang out at. <clears throat> um, but, uh, yeah, so I booked the hunt, um, probably about this time last year and, um, you know, I had all my stuff kind of tested in Alaska, so I knew what I needed to take. Um, packed a lot of the same stuff, and we can talk about equipment later if you want to. Yeah. And let's see, I was supposed to be there on the 3rd, so I flew out on the 1st. <clears throat> um, flew to Seattle. From Seattle, flew to Missoula. From Missoula, I rented a car and drove to Darby, Montana. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I know. So, it's a lot, so a lot part of the adventure is just getting there. Yeah, planes, trains, and automobiles. Um, and snowmobiles, you even hit snowmobiles yeah, too, right? Yeah, so I got there, yeah, yeah. Um, so on the the morning of the 3rd, I met them at the ranch just outside of Darby. And Darby is like on the uh, close to the Idaho border. And the reason you leave from there is because you you kind of can't access the area that we hunted from Idaho. So you got to access it from Montana. <laughs> um, That's some back country right there. Yeah, and uh, it's the Selway uh, Bitterroot Wilderness is what it's called. And it's 1.3 million acres. It's like Holy over 2,000 square miles. Um, the uh, Storm Creek Outfitters, from what I understood, was they're the only outfitters allowed to hunt in that area. You can uh, The public can hunt there because it's public land. Yeah. But uh, they're the only outfitters allowed to operate in that wilderness, which is kind of cool. Nice. Uh, <clears throat> or in that particular unit. I'm not sure. I don't, I didn't ask a whole lot of questions. Um, <laughs> but I, basically I said, Hey, wh- are we going to run into another outfitter out here? And they're like, we're the only ones allowed to be out here. So like, okay. Sounds like a monopoly, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. So we, I met them at the ranch at like eight o'clock in the morning. We loaded all the stuff into a truck and trailer, drove, um, back a little bit deeper into the woods to this spot where you can park and unload. And this is like, I mean, there's snow, we're in Montana at like 4,000 foot elevation. There's snow everywhere, you know, and the roads are all icy. And it's like, man, this is crazy. So part How was it compared those, to Alaska as far as uh, uh, chilling cold? It, uh, it was much colder on this hunt, but it didn't feel as cold because there was almost no... I can't remember a day that there was even a breath of wind. Oh, wow. So, um, but we did unload from that parking spot unload the snowmobiles and that's how you get to base camp is you ride snowmobiles 
fun. So yeah. Um, but it was like four hours of snowmobile. Oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> I bet that fun um, wore off quick, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, and I've never ridden the snowmobile. So part of it was just trying to figure it out. Um, I've done lots of four wheelers, lots of dirt bikes, lots of, uh, jet skis. Um, no, I mean it, to me, it felt like a combination of a jet ski and a four wheeler. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah. So just trying to figure that out and, you know, to see how like kind of push the limits, you know what I mean? Just of your own skill level to see where, where things get, you know, on the edge, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah. See how far you push the envelope. <laughs> yeah. With, uh, with minimal knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's a really cool snowmobile, snowmobile ride in. Um, um, so the first camp that, uh, we got to was one that they use, um, on some of their other hunts and we pull into this place to just kind of take a break and eat lunch. And I'm looking around and I'm like, this is not like I, what I would think of as a spike camp. There's like three or four basically outbuildings. Um, but they're walled tents. If you've never seen a walled tent, it's, mm-hmm. it's like a pine board building without a roof. And the roof is uh, canvas tent canvas. And according to the forestry service, I guess, is who manages that. Those are tents. Okay. But they're basically buildings. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, they've got, these are considered permanent camps, so they don't have to take them down or anything like that. Every one of them had a wood-burning stove, you know, and, and they were like, we're just going to stop here and eat lunch and go in and knock some of the snow off the roof so there's not too much accumulation, cause damage or whatever. Because yeah. there's like two foot of snow on the roof of these tents. So I'm, I walk into what they call the kitchen tent and it's a big, like, I don't know, 35 by 20 tent. And they've got like recliners and like carpet <laughs> and a bar, a refrigerator. Wow. This is nice. Uh, but nice that, camp, that camp was actually used by um, Kit Carson and Kit Carson was a, I don't know if he was part Native American or full Native American. Why does that name sound familiar, Kit Carson? So he 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 did all kinds of stuff. He was um, an officer in like the cal or I don't know, it was the cavalry, um, something like that. You know, back in and it's like in the eighteen hundreds, like okay. mid eighteen hundreds, and uh, he was a famous trapper, and that was actually a camp that he used um, when he trapped that area. So, so um, Christopher Hudson Carson. Houston Carson, better known as Kit Carson, is an American frontiersman. He was a mountain man, fur trapper, wilderness guide, Indian agent, U.S. Army officer, uh, became yeah. a frontier legend in his own lifetime via biographies and articles, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Wikipedia. Yeah, there's all kinds of so, stuff. <laughs> super, super famous dude, and that that's the actual camp that he used uh, when he trapped that area, when he when he was fur trapping that area. So that was kind of cool. Cool. Um, so they call that the Kit Carson camp. Born in Kentucky. <clears throat> Barn in Kentucky. Died in Colorado. Um, so from there, let's see, we knocked all the snow off the tent. And and by the way, before we got there, we kind of stopped just for a break and make sure everything was running around the snowmobiles. And um, I was like, hey, wouldn't it be better? Because they had this track that they've kind of pounded out, and it's pretty icy. It's like, wouldn't it be better to just like ride right here next to the track in this softer-looking snow, you know, so it's not <laughs> all bumpy and stuff? And they're like, you get stuck in that. And I'm, I'm like – you would get stuck in this snow. Dude, just listen to your guides. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, how, how do you get stuck in that? And he's like, step into it. And I was like, 
is this going to end with you like pulling me out of a giant <laughs> hole? And he was like, no, just step into it. And sure enough, so I jump off my snowmobile and go down to like just above my knees in snow. And I was like, holy crap. You know, it didn't, it doesn't look like it's that deep, but if you have, it have, if it hasn't been, you know, beat down basically, right. Um, then it's deep. So everywhere you walked up there that wasn't on the trail that they'd made with snowmobiles, it took a lot of effort. Um, so that's part of, and plus you're at a pretty high elevation. Did you not have snowshoes? Uh, no, they don't use snowshoes uh, because they're so bulky and you can't go very fast if you need to go real fast. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it's just one more thing you got to carry too. But no, I had boots and gaiters on that, you know, everything's waterproof. Um, so we knocked all the snow off the roof there and then hammered on to the next camp. And the next camp we got to is called Paradise. Um, and it was pretty awesome it was i don't know if it was paradise but it was close to it uh like nestled in the mountains all right right along this river i think it's the selway river mm-hmm. um and there's a kitchen tent same as the other one um this one they have a generator at it so there's electricity if you need electricity in the evenings to have you know some lights on um they had a satellite out there so there was like intermittent internet availability just enough to be able to send texts well man um, you were just really roughing it weren't you <laughs> that's what i said i was like man i came out here ready to do eight days in a tent with no heat you know yeah <laughs> and they looked at no me and amenities they're like, they're like you're crazy <laughs> you know do you have like a um, bed to sleep in they did every so there's four cabins plus the kitchen tent and i, I call them cabins they call them tents um because they're basically a cabin with a canvas roof yeah and every one of the cabins had um like a set of bunk beds and I don't know if it was a full size or a queen size bed, but it was, it was big and uh, a wood burning stove in them. So it was pretty legit. I was like, nice, you know, I like hunting and I like hunting out of a tent. Um, but at the same time, part of me was like, this is going to be the best hunting trip ever. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, so you're, uh, this is you, this is your first day getting up there, getting settled in. Yeah. We got, we got there at about, uh, three o'clock in the afternoon on the first day after snowmobiling in. And of course we, we check tracks like on the way in. So the way the cat hunt works is, uh, you basically just cruise on the snowmobiles real slow on the trail and you just look for fresh tracks in the snow. Um, if you see a good set of bobcat tracks, then you can turn the dogs out and they, they track the cat and they'll tree them. Or if you see a good set of mountain lion tracks, then you turn one dog out, kind of see how fresh the dog is acting or fresh the track is based on how the dog is acting. Um, then turn another dog out to help that dog. Um, then the same way they'll hopefully tree the cat. <clears throat> uh, if you see a fresh set of wolf tracks, then you can follow those wolf tracks and, uh, we didn't find any that wolves had killed, but apparently you can find pretty fresh kills uh, of deer or elk and then maybe see a wolf around one of those kills. Um, so that was pretty neat. And lots of fox tracks, lots of uh, lots of coyote tracks. I didn't see any, though. Um, but, yeah, so we got there at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and just kind of got settled in. And it gets dark really early there, like 5.30. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it gets light really late at, like, probably eight thirty, eight forty-five. So next morning got up, um, and it was something like nine degrees. So it was pretty cold. That's cold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> something like nine. <laughs> yeah, it was cold. Um, headed out on the snowmobile 
uh, and on when we went hunting, actually, I sat like on a, a two-up snowmobile. So the outfitter was was driving, Steve was driving, and I was sitting on the back. So that way, I could watch the hillsides and watch the river for tracks. So he's watching just right close to us, you know, on either side of the so snowmobile. So on, on this day, you're looking for you're looking for wolf, or you're looking for uh, cat. Uh, I mean, really, we're looking just for anything. anything. Okay. Yeah, the objective is a uh, mountain lion. Okay. Um, so, uh, we're cruising along and probably about 11 o'clock, uh, we saw a pretty good set of tracks coming out of the river and crossing the, or sorry, coming across the road off the mountain and then going across the river. And, um, they put a dog on it. The dog started doing his thing. You know, it's a blue tick hound. He starts, whoop, 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 whoop. you know, how hound dogs do. Yeah. Being um, a good boy. Yeah. So that was a good sign. Um, the problem is the dog went across the river and on the other side of the river, it was just like straight rock face. Like no way we're going up it. No way the dog's going up it, but a cat could go up it. No problem. Um, so we had the scent. Yeah, but there's no way. I mean, it was just too, the dog could probably have gotten up it, but it it was too dangerous. I mean, it was like dangerous enough to where if the dog fell, then he was probably going to get hurt real bad. So they pulled the dog off of that one. Uh, we probably sat there for an hour while the dog did his thing. And then, you know, I was kind of bummed. I was like, man, we found a track. and can't go after it. That sucks. Well, it's not like 200 yards down the road. We find another set of fresh tracks. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, and I'm like, man, I mean, is this the same cat, you know? And Steve was like, you know, it probably is, especially if it's a Tom, because they have, they're a very territorial animal. You know, there's not going to be two Tom cats that meet up a lot because one of them's going to kick the other one's ass and he's going to leave kind right. of thing. Yeah. Um, so, and it was really cool because we're riding along and I asked him, you know, kind of what, what am I looking for? And he said, anything that looks bigger than a deer track, we need to stop and look at. And especially if it's on a rock or crosses a log, you know, cause deer and stuff like mm-hmm. wolves don't cross log or walk on logs and stuff. Yeah. Go over. Um, so, as we're riding down the road, I look over and there's a huge, and there's deadfall everywhere, just huge logs everywhere that have fallen down because they, they treat this wilderness like a natural area where no, they don't, nobody goes in and does control burns. Nobody clears underbrush, nothing. It's, it's there until it's it gets, natural. until it rots away or until a natural fire burns it away, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, you can imagine there's just deadfall pine trees everywhere. Um, but there's one that had fallen across the river and it had real thick snow on it. And I look over and there's a perfect set of tracks that comes across that log. Like it was a bridge. Yeah. <clears throat> I was like, Oh man. So I tapped Steve's shoulder. Now, and, right? Yeah. Yeah. And this is like 200 yards from where we just were. So he's like, Oh yeah, for, that's a cat for sure. And we get off and go look at him and sure enough it is. So we follow the tracks further down the road, uh, until they cross and turn the blue tick out. His name is Huck. Um, <laughs> And the handler's name is Russ. And basically, Russ is going to go out, see how hot the track is, and then he'll call on the radio and and tell us to turn out another dog. And his name is Booger. Uh, <laughs> and I guess if it's a good track, then they get two dogs on it. Then the dogs kind of push each other, you know. Uh, and then if it's a good cat, it could potentially take two dogs to keep the cat treed. Because if it's a good cat and just one dog on it, then either the cat can kill the dog or, um, you know, the cat just won't care and he'll just beeline it and outrun the dog. Um, so he calls on the radio and says, turn burger out. So, uh, and these dogs have GPS collars on them, so they don't lose them. 
And, uh, yeah. yeah. So they, we turned Booger out and then Logan, uh, one of the other guides and I kind of reorganized our gear, stripped down to just basically t-shirts and, um, waterproof pants and gaiters to go hiking. So we start hiking Nine based on the GPS weather? trail. Holy crap. It had warmed up by then. It was probably about 20. Okay. Um, <laughs> 20. But dude, I mean, if you're hiking, if, if, if you're hiking in that, I mean, this is serious hiking, like two foot of snow and you're going up the side of a mountain, you know, you're not walking a trail. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's like one of those things where you, you're tired. So you rest and then you take 10 steps and in those first 10 steps, you're like, man, I'm, I'm good to go. And then the next 10 steps, you're like, oh, I'm getting tired. And then the next 10 <laughs> steps, you're like, I'm really tired. And then, then, you know, by the time you get to 50 steps, you have to rest again. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, I'm sure you're high so stepping we, it in that snow and all the different, well, and, yeah, and, stuff. and you, and you take one step that's like, um, uh, you know, probably a foot and a half vert, uh, or two foot of vert. Plus there's two foot of snow on top of that. Uh, and then when you put your foot down, it slides back to where it almost just was, Yeah, <laughs> you know, cause you just compress that snow back down. So yeah, it's, it's tough and there's no trails, you know, you're just busting trail basically. your own trails. Yeah. And you're climbing deadfall, you know. Um, so Russ comes on the radio and says, Huck um, is at this tree, or Huck and Booger are both at this tree acting like they had a cat treed. Um, and then Booger took off running the other way, or not the other way, but kept going, and Huck stayed there. So what they think happened is they treed the cat, and the cat at some point jumped out of the tree, which they'll do if they're a, a big cat that is fast jumped out of the tree and took off and Booger went after him, but Huck stayed there because there was so much scent on that tree. Yeah. You know, thought he was still there. Yeah. And a lot of times the cats will pee, uh, like as they're going up a tree or from the tree or whatever, just, I don't know if it's a defense deal or what, but so that creates a ton of scent, Yeah, you know? Um, so Huck stayed on the tree and he said, you know, come and get Huck. I'm going to go after Booger. And so we finally made it up to Huck after like, um, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half. No, we made it to Huck after about an hour. Um, so Russ goes after Booger and we're watching the GPS and he's like, he gets on the radio and says, go ahead and bring Huck. So we put Huck on a lead and he said, bring Huck and, you know, start following us. Cause I don't know if Booger's still on the track or what. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of on the top of this mountain, making our way across this ridge. And after about another hour, we're looking, we're watching the GPS of Booger and he's not stopping. Like, He's it's, hauling ass, huh? Yeah. Yeah. He started a half a mile away from us when we got to Huck. <clears throat> and um, we look we look at the, the the GPS and it says, we've gone a quarter mile and now he's three quarters of a mile ahead of us. And then we oh, go another God. quarter mile and he's a mile and a quarter ahead of us. Then we go another quarter mile and he's a mile and a half ahead of us. Damn. You know? So he was just cruising. And this was tough snow. It was like, um, it wasn't real soft snow. It was it had snowed a lot and then it had rained and then it had refrozen. So there was a real thick layer of ice on the top that was like, it wasn't, it wasn't thick enough to hold a person uh, or a dog even. Mm -hmm. So you break, you break through that ice and you know, that that ice is, is not friendly and (laughs) like it would tear the dogs up. They, their pads would be bleeding and stuff, you know, from from breaking through it. Um, and he's just, I mean, champion and, you know, and, uh, so Russ comes on the radio and he's like, you know, I don't know what his deal is, but, uh, it's, it's probably getting close to three o'clock. So he's like, we're, we're not going to be able to get to him 
And if there's a cat, you know, get there and get the cat before dark. So, yeah, you know, y'all turn around and I'll go get booger and, you know, we'll just basically meet back at camp. So <clears throat> we start hiking back down and it, it took us two hours to get to where we were with about a 30 minute break of just sitting there waiting to see what booger was going to do. Yeah. So it took us about an hour and a half of hiking to get to where we were. Did booger ever stop any this time? Was he uh, just hauling ass the he, whole time? He's the whole time he's hauling ass. So he's so, chasing this, him and the cat both are just. Yeah. Just for boogieing. A, an hour. Yeah. So, well, it, it took us about an hour and a half to get where we were of hiking, but we, it was two hours total time. So he's been chasing this cat for two hours. Holy so shit. we take Huck and we go back down and it took us like 15 minutes to get down. It didn't take long at all. Uh, cause you're going down in that snow is really easy cause it's so deep that you just basically just take huge steps, you know? Right. Um, so we get back down and Steve is there and he said, okay, so put Huck back up. And what you do is you pull these little tubs that have like a little kennel in them with hay and stuff to keep the dogs warm. He said, put, put Huck back in the kennel or in the box. And, uh, he was looking at the GPS and the way Booger was going, it looked like he was going to come over the top of the mountain and then come back down by the snowmobile trail. So he said, I'm going to haul ass down the snowmobile trail and try and cut Booger off. So that way we don't have to either leave him out all night because, you know, if, if he'd have gone five miles the wrong direction, there's no getting him that night. Yeah. You know? And a cat could, you know, turn. <clears throat> him and- yeah. And they, I mean, there's been situations I don't think they have had any, but where people have lost dogs because either wolves have killed them or whatever, yeah. because they couldn't get them back that night. Um, and I learned later on what you're supposed to do is if you can't catch your dog, um, then you go to the last place or the furthest place that you could make it on his trail and you leave your jacket there and the dog will eventually turn around and come and backtrack. And when he gets to your jacket, he'll usually like curl up and go to sleep in your jacket. Okay. So, and then you go back the next day and there's the dog. Get him at your jacket. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, Steve probably, I don't know. He was gone for maybe 15 minutes. And we're sitting there like eating a sandwich and stuff. Cause it, even though we only hiked like a mile, it was, it was a tough mile. Um, and, uh, he comes on the radio and he said, there's a big cat running down the road. And by road, he meant snowmobile trail. Yeah. And, uh, Logan looked at me and he said, what did he say? And I said, he said, there's a cat running down the road and I'm just like throwing stuff into the tub. Like <laughs> all of all the crap we had laid out, you know, I'm just like throwing it all in the tub. And he comes back on the radio and said, he's still in the road, big Tom. And I was like, Oh man. So we're just like piling all our jackets and bags and guns and trekking poles and all kinds of stuff thrown in there. Huck was already loaded up and uh, we jump on the snowmobiles, get them choked and fired up. Cause they'd been sitting there for, you know, two and a half hours or whatever. Yeah. And all getting dark about this time, right? It, it was like three thirty, So we still got like okay, still got an it. hour and a half or two hours of light. Right. So we're hauling ass to where Steve was and we get to where he was and, uh, He's bailed off of his snowmobile and he's standing, he's walking the uh, edge of the trail you can, and I could see the tracks of where the cat had run and gone down into the river. So he's, uh, he's kind of like looking and he's waving us up there and we get up there and he says, yeah, it was craziest thing. I was driving and here comes the cat right at me. Like he said, if I had a gun, I could have shot him easy. And now, uh, was this the cat, the same cat that Booger Well, we chasing? didn't know. Okay. We didn't know. At this point. But <clears throat> yeah. So, um, so he was like, you know, get, get Huck out, get a GPS 
collar on him and let him out right here. I mean, this is like an unheard of deal. It doesn't happen. Like you don't see mountain lions running down the trail at you and you definitely don't get on a track that is maybe five minutes old. You know, it, I asked him what the definition of a hot track was and he said within 24 hours. (laughs) So (laughs) So this is like a on fire. (laughs) Yeah. Cause the scenario that I pitched was like, say we go out and, you know, we hunt all day and then we come back and on our way back, we see a fresh track and he's like, that's a smoking hot track. Right. So a five minute old track is like this cat in five minutes could go a mile, but a mile is not that big of a deal to these dogs, you know? So, and he said, if it's the same cat, he for sure didn't go very far. Cause this cat has got to be smoked by now, you know, cause he's done like five miles over a mountain Oh yeah, with a, with a dog chasing him. And, uh, so we, he turns Huck out and uh, we're standing there talking and I've got my pack on with my rifle in my pack and I'm kind of, you know, well, like how far could he have gone? And he's like, well, he's probably somewhere right around here. And about that time, Huck jumps him and I see the cat actually come out from under like a big log down by the river. And I was like, there's the lion. <laughs> and your and adrenaline thing, is going through the roof. Oh, dude. And I'm like unclipping my pack like so I can pull my gun out and, uh, the, and I see the cat run down the river a little ways and then run up the bank and cross back across the trail in front of us, maybe like 50 yards away. And then about two seconds after that, Huck is running behind him. And uh, so I'm like running down there and I'm looking behind me. I'm like, why is nobody coming with me? You know, and, and Steve's like, don't worry, he'll tree him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so yeah. they're looking at their watches. Well, so yeah, kind of <laughs> gone over everything, you know, and um, sure enough, it, uh, the GPS deal tells you when a dog has something treed based on their movement. Sure, uh, yeah. So if they stay in the same location for a certain amount of time, it says that Huck has his quarry treed. So he says, Hey, it says Huck hasn't treed like 50 yards off of the trail. So it's like, like an app oh. they're using or something with the GPS. Um, it's, uh, it's, I think it's Garmin. I think it's a Garmin unit and it's actually made for, made for doing dog stuff. Oh, okay. um, cool. It's made for hunting dogs. So, <clears throat> um, we get kind of reorganized when about that time Russ is coming down off the mountain, um, without booger. And, uh, he comes down and gets there just at kind of the same time we get there. And sure enough, there's this huge mountain lion, uh, like 60 foot up this tree. And, uh, he's sitting there kind of hissing or whatever, you know? And, um, Steve's like, well, okay, you can get up there. They've got him treed and take some pictures and take some video. And I'm like, screw that. I'm shooting this thing, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I don't know if he's going to jump back down, take back off or whatever. Right. Yeah. And I'm uh, here for so pictures, we, dude. I'm here for bullets. <laughs> <laughs> so we slowed down and did, we ended up, we took some video and um, I took some video the whole time to kind of do an episode out of it. Uh, so I'll probably edit that this week and put it up on YouTube. Um, cool. So you got some so, video of him, of him treed. Yeah. And I mean, video of the shot and everything. Oh, so, nice. um, so they get Huck on a lead. Uh, cause you're not supposed to shoot the cat when the dog is off the lead in case the cat comes out of the tree and is still alive. Uh, cause they can kill a dog apparently like instantly. Um, oh, I think so, yeah. yeah, they, the Steve said what they do is they grab them with their claw, basically like swat them. But whenever they swat them, they grab them and pull them in and they bite them in the head and they crush their skull in one bite. Oh gosh. Yeah. So they're big, mean cats. <laughs> um, so I got set up probably, um, I don't know, maybe 15 yards from the base of the tree. And I laid down on my back in the snow. Cause he's, I mean, I'm pretty much looking straight up at him and, um, you know, just made sure I was good to shoot. Cause you always want to ask your, you know, it's not like pig hunting or 
varmint hunting down here where it's pretty much you can see it you can shoot it kind of thing it's mm-hmm. if you go on a guided hunt you always always want to ask your guide am i am i clear to shoot you know because they may know something you don't know or they may want you to take a certain shot or whatever sure um and it's and it's kind of a respectful deal too you know they're this is their job yeah. you know that so you want to make sure and respect what they and want how you to far do. away were you at this point so i'm like 15 yards from the base of the tree that the cat is in so and he's about 60 feet up in the tree so That's it's like a 30 yard hard. yeah it's like a 30 yard shot 20 or 30 yard shot <clears throat> uh so i said hey where do you, where do you want me to shoot him and he said just kind of draw um because the cat was facing me and i said do you want me to wait for him to turn sideways and shoot him in the shoulder or shoot him in the chest and he said yeah i mean just draw a line between his two shoulders and shoot him right in the chest so made sure they were good to go broke shot and the cat kind of reacts like everything does it kind of flinched and jerked back and and he actually looked like he was going to fall and he caught a tree limb and then climbed up like another 10 feet oh damn Um, and so i'm like do i leave him or do i shoot him again and you know and this kind of goes back to whatever the guide wants you to do kind of thing you know um so i'm trying to make sure that I'm doing what he wants me to do and not just randomly making decisions on my own. Cause I don't know if he wants me to not shoot him, just let him stay up there and die. cause he'd have died. I mean, it's a chest shot. It was a heart shot. Yeah. What do you say? What do you, what uh, you so do? he said, shoot him again because the, the way the cat was acting, you know, if he came out of the tree, um, he didn't want him to basically attack us or attack the dogs. Kill the dogs yeah. Um, because he was still, I mean, he did, he acted like he wasn't hurt very bad. Um, I shot him again, and this time he had turned sideways. I shot him right through the shoulder. It broke his shoulder, and that shot knocked him out of the tree. And, dude, a 150-pound cat falling 60 or 70 foot out of a tree is crazy awesome. That's a big awesome. cat right there. <laughs> so he falls out of the tree, lands at the base of it, hops up, and takes off running. And I'm like, do no I shoot him way. again? Yeah. So I, I, I said, do I shoot him again or not? And the way he was kind of running was back towards Steve. So I, without an answer, I made the call of not shooting again um, because I didn't know exactly where Steve was because right. Steve was back on the snowmobile trail and sure. I didn't want to shoot, you know, parallel to the ground basically in anywhere in that direction, which it would have been, a, I wouldn't have missed, but you know, you don't know what that bullet's going to do. Exactly. Um, so and you could tell, I mean, the cat was done. He, he tried it off, turned the corner and I could see his tail kind of do like the cartoon tail spin, uh, up in the air over the, <laughs> this bank of snow. Right. And, uh, Russ led Huck back off the lead. So that way, you know, basically he could get rewarded for doing his job and he gets over there and thinks that he did it. You sure. know, he killed the cat or whatever. Um, so I kind of pack all my stuff back up and walk over there and, and take a look at this thing. I mean, it's a, it was a beast of a cat. Um, it was, man. I saw the, you sent me the picture and I was like, holy yeah. crap, that sucker's huge. Yeah. So, I mean, and I was holding, I was so tired because. Is that the biggest one you've and, ever had? I've never shot a mountain lion. So. Oh, it's your first mountain lion? Yeah. It's my first mountain lion. Okay. So that was, it was pretty cool. And it was good to get a tomcat. You know, it's, they shoot uh, females, but obviously the tomcats get bigger and the more males you kill, uh, it actually helps the species because the male cats will kill will kill babies. Mm-hmm. Um, the females won't. Kind of thing. Right. Um, so if you can kill a tom, then another tom will move into that area and leave another spot open for one of the babies of a uh, you know to move in. So right. uh, it actually it actually helps the species. It helps the population. Yeah. Right. Um, so anyway, uh, we get to looking at him and everything, and and found 
you know, the entry and exits of the bull and they were both, I mean, the first one was a heart shot and probably clipped one of his lungs, didn't exit. Um, the second one went in his right shoulder, went through both lungs and out his, uh, left ribs. And this thing still lived for like, I don't know, 30 seconds probably. Yeah. So, I mean, that's 30 seconds that he could have kicked our ass. No, um, no doubt, man. I mean, yeah. you think if they realized that they could kill a dog that quick, they would never run. <laughs> they would yeah. never run from a dog, you know? And, and I asked about that because, you know, they have a lot of confrontations with wolves and stuff. Um, so if a lion has a fresh kill and a wolf comes in to try and take it from him, the lion will kill the wolf. Yeah. Um, but if multiple wolves come in, then the, then the lion will leave. And I think that's, that's the whole reason that they hunt with more than one dog is because they get the feeling that they're outnumbered. Yeah. Yeah. They're outnumbered. So they need to just, and it's way, I mean, and just in like in life with, uh, with people, it's easier to run than it is to fight. Right. You know, and And if you fighters, you know, and if, and if you can absolutely get away 100%, then there's no reason not to leave, you know, um, unless with, you know, with people, some other aspects come into it when you're trying to help other people or whatever. But, um, if it's just you and it's like, you can either take a chance and maybe die or, or get out of there, then there's no reason not to get out of there. Yeah. Um, and, and that cat probably has the same mentality because man, they can, that cat went up that tree so fast. Um, and there's nothing imagine. else they can, there's nothing else they can go up a tree like that, uh, except for those black bears. But so the black how long bears, was it? Did you measure? Um, they did, but I can't remember what it was. I'll measure. It's I'll be able to measure. Cat. I'm looking again. at the picture right now. I mean, it, that sucker's big. Yeah. He's I mean, I had you. him. He's almost yeah. bigger than you. Well, that's what uh, um, I said. Hey, how much do y'all think this weighs? And they're like, you know, 140, 150 pounds. Um, and it when I picked big. him up, it's I had him under his shoulders or under his armpits. Yeah. And I stood up with him. And his head is like probably what? At my chin level. And his back legs are not even extended and he's his basically his tail is on the ground, yeah. you know, or the base of his tail is on the ground. So I'm and and I'm standing on a hill. So I mean, yeah, he's if he stood oh, up on boy. his back feet, he'd be like seven feet tall, you know. So, um, so this was your your first day of hunting. That was my well, technically we hunted on the day on the way in, but yeah, well, that yeah. was the first day that we went out and actually were 100 percent hunting. And um, you, you got one on the first day. That's awesome. Yeah, and it was really good because. Um, the next day, let's, well, the next day we didn't really do a lot because we celebrated that night with some whiskey. <laughs> um, and then uh, the next day, so the third day, it got up to like almost 50 degrees and melted a lot of the snow and then it froze again. So the conditions got really bad. Mm. Like you could almost stand on top of the snow at that point. Like, But if you took a step, then you'd fall through it. Um, so Booger got there. Um, so they found Booger. I was going to say, so yeah. what happened to Booger? Yeah, let's go back to the Booger. Um, so cat's out of the tree. We're over there. Huck, um, is trying to play with it like a chew toy and, uh, we're taking pictures, taking video and everything like that. And Logan went up the hill to find Booger cause you could still hear him way in the distance. Cause he still is on the trail. Yeah. Know? And, uh, it's just that cat, you know, those cats are so fast that uh booger's a six-year-old uh walker treehound and um he there's just you know he couldn't keep up with that through that snow amazing that he covered that much ground yeah so about i'd say probably 
45 minutes to an hour after we killed the cat, Booger got there. And uh, he went between four and five miles uh, over this mountain. And he was so tired. Like, he walked, and we left the cat laying on the ground so Booger could get there and, and like, do his chew toy deal (laughs) reward for, you know, doing a good job. And he gets there and he walks up to the cat real slow and he just licks it. He just licks it. Yeah, he licked it like three or four times, just kind of like not even in like a particular spot, just like on his shoulder or something. Yeah, he's like good chase, dude. Licks it, and then yeah, he was he was smoked. Um, and his 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 pads were okay, but like the webbing in between his feet were kind of tore up real bad, and his belly was tore up real bad from where oh, he would, was jumping through the snow, you know. Yeah, and that and that ice was cutting him, and. uh I was worried about him, but uh, they they gave him some some dog aspirin, and he ate really good for the next four or five days, and got to sleep inside a couple of nights. And um, so he didn't have to do any more uh, tracking after that. No, he was, he was, he was done. done. He, he was done for a week. He was done. Yeah, he was um, a good boy. He was a good boy. So yeah. do, you, do you think that was the one? The the cat? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, we were talking about it, and and because Booger was on the track, you know, on the same track, um, and basically found us. Yeah. Uh, you know, that lends to the thought that that's the same cat. Plus the way the cat acted when Huck jumped him out of the river and immediately going up a tree instead of just running off. Yeah. Um, that kind of lends to the same, you know, you think it's the same cat. He's tired. And yeah. Um, and the, and the cat went to the river, so he was probably going down there to get, you know, a big gulp of water. Um, after, after being, you know, chased for so long. And, we started looking at the cat, um, and his uh, his claws were real tore up, like real bad tore up. And Steve said that was because he had climbed so many trees so fast to get away from the dogs, mm. and and jumped. So um, there's no doubt in in their minds, the guides that that was one hundred percent for sure the same, as the same cat. Yeah, that's um, awesome. So that's a good yeah, story, I mean, it, man. It's it was it was pretty crazy. And what's even crazier is you know we would have never. F- been able to hunt that cat um, if they didn't think it was the same one because it was after three o'clock, they don't turn the dogs out on a track because you don't have enough time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, maybe the next day we would have come back through and found the tracks and then turned the dogs out. Cause the, if it was the same cat, then he probably would have just slept down by the river that night. Cause he probably, you know, he was smoked too. Um, but yeah, we, so we hauled the, hauled everything back to the, uh, um, to the cabins, <laughs> the cabins, the tents, and yeah, Quotations. had some celebration. Skinned the cat, um, and we actually ate some of the cat the next night. Uh, I was going to ask, yeah, do, what yeah, what parts do rear, you eat of that? The uh, rear quarters and the back strap. Uh, you can eat the front quarters, but they're supposedly like real stringy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rear quarter, I mean, the rear quarters on this thing are huge. It was like. You know, bigger than a lot of hams that I've cut off of these wild pigs that we kill. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so sure it was we all muscle too. Yeah, and the back straps were good too. Um, but yeah, we had some that was like kind of pan fried, and we had some wrapped in bacon. Um, How was it? It was delicious. That's I mean, delicious. really good. <laughs> I brought some, I brought a bunch of it back. Oh, you um, did? Okay. Yeah. So I mean, it was real good. Um, now, what did you, what did you do with the the skin? Uh, hung it out you know, outside, uh, for the next couple nights and then roll it up, put it in a freezer and you have to take them and get them checked there. It's not like in Texas where you can just call and say, Hey, I killed a mountain lion and they document it. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually have to take them to have 
some official person check them. I don't know. They did it for me. Um, so Steve went out like three days later, hauled it out for me, took it and had it checked and it had my tag on it and everything. And then it was in the freezer at his ranch. Whenever I got back in, put in a cooler with some dry ice and flew home with it. Okay. What are you going to so, do with it? Uh, I'm going to get a full body mount done since it's my first one and it was, it was a good Tom. Yeah. It's going to be a nice one. <clears throat> yeah. It'll be, it'll be super cool. Um, but yeah, so then the next, uh, four days or five days we hunted wolves, wolves, coyotes and foxes and came up empty. Just, I think it was just so hot. Um, cause it started to, all that snow melted. And then we had another day like in the forties. Mm-hmm. And so by the time I left all that two foot of snow that was up on top of the mountains was almost gone. Um, but we hiked around a lot. We hit went, one day we did like six miles through the snow, through the deep snow. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a tough day. And we found a lot of big tracks. I'll text you some of the, the tracks that we found. I found a wolf track that was the size of my hand, like completely open. Wow. Yeah, it that was huge. Have, that would have been awesome to see that one. Yeah. I think the record for wolves, the North American record came from Idaho and it was 196 pounds or something like that. Holy crap. So yeah, I was, I had my fingers crossed the whole time that I could get a wolf that big. Can or, you imagine you know, seeing one that big? I mean, you just be, you'd crap yourself. Game of Thrones. <laughs> so yeah, dire wolf. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really wanted to get a wolf and I'll, I'll definitely try and get one the next time I go. Cause that's another full body mount. Animal well, that's cool. That I mean, your first day kind of, kind of set your, yeah. your whole expectations, I guess, for the rest of the week. And then you just kind of, yeah, uh, slowly you got, it's like starting a, a night hunt out super fast here. And then just nothing happens after that. But right. like I said, it was good that we got it early because if we hadn't, the conditions just got worse and worse. We didn't get a single flake of snow the entire time I was there. So everything just got nastier and icier. So the dogs would have got tore up more and our odds would have gone down and it gets to a point where you can't even find tracks. So, Oh, very cool. So this was in Idaho, and right. uh, it, what's their season like there for for hunting the um, for mountain lions? I think it's December first through the end of February, but they only Storm Creek starts in January just because the snow conditions are too unpredictable in December. Right. Uh, I think that's it, or maybe it's mid December is when it starts. Um, but there's a lot of lions up there. Like I said, it's a two cat unit, the unit that we were in. So. In theory, I could have gone into town, got another tag, and come back out and got another so lion. Was it, was it just you? Were you the only hunter? Yep, yep. For the lion group? hunts, you okay. can do like a two-on-one where they take two hunters and you try and get two cats. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't book like they wouldn't book two hunters that don't know each other at the same time. I got you. <clears throat> so oh, cool. basically, so, it's me and three guides. So it's pretty cool. The uh, the last your Alaskan hunt that you went on, you were mm-hmm. uh, you were talking about all the the awesome food you know that they were making yeah. for you every night. How was the how was the food here? Oh, it was really good. Um, what same kind way. Of, was, what kind of food did you have? Um, so whenever we were in Alaska, actually, when we were out in Spike Camp, you know, we were eating like Mountain House meals and summer sausage, pretty much like every meal. Mm-hmm. Um, the really good food there was back at the lodge. Um, for this hunt, we were, you know, basically staying in cabins, so the food was good every night, even while we were hunting. And uh, we'd like eat sandwiches for lunch, um, have a good breakfast, like sausage and eggs, and then dinner we would have. Uh, let's see what well, we had, like a lasagna one night. It was oh, pretty damn. good. <laughs> uh, we had mountain lion two nights. There you go. Uh, but yeah, y'all were uh, just really roughing it, man. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. This sounds like a good, good outfitter. So, t- what's their name again? Yeah. Storm Creek Outfitters and it's stormcreekoutfitters.com, I think is their website. Okay. Um, so you give them a thumbs up, definitely. 
yeah, I'm going back for sure. Um, and the, and this is the first hunt outside of just going predator hunting and pig hunting that I've used the Beastmaster hunting rifle. So, yeah. So I want to talk about that. So, um, you've, I think we might've alluded to it, um, a few episodes back when you were on that you were in the mm-hmm. process of you know, making your own rifle. So you yeah. actually got it out now and you took it out and this is the first time you use it on a hunt. Um, you know, besides like hunting pigs and coyotes down here, um, and I've shot a deer with it, um, kind of when we were doing prototyping for this last mm-hmm. year. So we started January of last year, 2017, and um, I hadn't really made it official, but I guess we can make it official as of the podcast. They're, Let's do it, uh, man. Let's talk uh, about it. They're available for sale. Um, so this is the first, like, we've taken pictures of the rifle and on the hunt and everything like that and talked about it. Uh, but it's a, so, so and, and tell, let me break it down, break down the Beastmaster hunting rifle for us. It was, well, let me say that, uh, for this hunt, it was kind of overkill. Um, it wasn't necessary, but the potential to see wolves at any distance, uh, is the reason I took it. And mm-hmm. because I, you know, I had dope on the rifle, um, with the optic that I had on it up to about 750 yards. Okay. So, uh, the potential for a wolf shot at over 500 yards was very high. Um, if you see wolves, they're usually not close. Um, for the mountain lion, you could shoot it with anything you wanted because it's up a tree and you're 60 yards or 60 feet away. Yeah. So, um, I loaded, uh, or I didn't load, I had loaded, um, by Highland Lakes ammunition, which is a company that I'm partnering with to do a Beastmaster hunting load. Um, so they're going to do a specific load that I want. Uh, for this hunt, we loaded some 143 ELDXs going a little bit slower than the uh, 143 factory load. And the reason for that is I didn't want it to explode um, and do a lot of damage to the pelt <clears throat> because I knew I was going to, if I shoot, if I shot a good one, I wanted to do a, a full body mount. And lions have really thin or really short hair. So any any big hole would be a problem. Sure. Uh, the bullet performed perfectly. I'm not sure what happened to the first one. I think it may have uh, hit his sternum and hit his spine and stopped. Which so was you're per- using a um, what size is the the bullet you're using? Uh, it's a, oh yeah, so it's a six five Creedmoor. Six five Creedmoor. There you go. Okay. And it was a 143 grain ELDX loaded at about uh, 2520 muzzle velocity. Okay. Um, and the second shot was perfect too. Went in his shoulder and out his ribs. Made two little holes. Uh, performed flawlessly. That bullet was uh, developed by Hornady for big game hunting, so that it's it's made to penetrate. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it really it really did perfectly. So you um, built the the Beastmaster hunting rifle on a six five Creedmoor platform. So right. Talk about yeah. the the the, uh, the specs <clears throat> of your rifle. Sure. So um, we did a six five Creedmoor because. All my life, I've hunted uh, with a two twenty three pretty much, um, and I don't, I don't know. Maybe a year and a half ago, um, I shot a bunch of coyotes one night, and we only found like three quarters of them, and they were all really good shots. and And I know they were really good shots because all the coyotes behaved the same, and the ones that we found were like broken shoulders and lungs blown out of them. But it's just like I just wanted something a little with a little more oomph. You know, so it would really put them down hard. Uh, and then pigs are the same way. You know, you get a 300-pound pig, and you can put a good shot on it, and it'll run forever. Oh, yeah. um, so I got to looking around, and 
I didn't want to do like a, a Grendel, 6.5 Grendel or whatever, and didn't want to do a 308 because uh, the 308 has quite a bit of recoil. Um, so 6.5 Creedmoor, you know, it's been around for, well, like 10 years now, and it's really gaining a massive following now. It has. Uh, you know, we've talked about Arson. that the yeah. last few episodes, how it's just really gaining a lot of popularity here recently. Yeah, and this is like in the last six months, you know. Um mm-hmm. And my whole project started about a year and a half ago. So I feel like I was kind of ahead of the curve and it may end up being a really good thing. But, um, you know, 6.5 Creedmoor is uh, a 30 TC case neck down to uh, a 264 bullet. And what you end up getting is a really high BC bullet. So it's like you're throwing a javelin instead of a football kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. um, just cuts the wind really good. It, it, uh, maintains its velocity really good, and it, the uh, ballistic performance on the bullet is awesome because they've over the last ten years of development of this round, um, so many so many bullets have come out, and I think some of the best ones are made by Hornady, um, the ELD and the ELDX because uh, the BC is so high and they perform so well on animals, and the ELD is a match bullet, um, so it just like shatters when you shoot something, and which is perfect for what we do down here. Uh, where we're shooting coyotes and fox and pigs mm-hmm. because it's a big enough bullet with enough mass to where if you shoot a pig, it's going to penetrate far enough. But because it's a match bullet, it's just shredding like a, I mean, it comes apart like a grenade, basically. Right. Um, and then that's good for coyotes because even though it's a pretty heavy bullet and it's not going super fast, most people would think that, you know, it'll over penetrate, just make a little pinhole mm-hmm. and it's gone. Well, being a match bullet, I mean, it explodes like it's gonna it's nasty. Yeah, it's going to splatter. So, I mean, that just was kind of like a no-brainer. That's exactly what I was looking for. You know, lower recoil than a 308, um, about the same trajectory as a 223 out to a few hundred yards, but then beyond that, it performs better than both. Yeah. You know, How's the holdover on that? Um, so, I zero at 200 yards for predator hunting. Um, <clears throat> at 50 yards, it's a half inch high. At 100 yards, it's an inch and a quarter high. At uh, 200 yards, it's dead on. At 300 yards, it's six inches low. At 400 yards, it's 19 inches low. And at 500 yards, I want to say it's 37 inches low. Something okay. like that. I'm I'm going off the top of my head here. So if my I'm I'm within an inch on all those. <laughs> right. So it's not bad um, because you know 200 dead on anything 50 to 200 dead on. 300 yards, if I'm shooting a coyote, I just put it on the top of his back. Right. Hits him perfect every time. Pigs are even easier. Um, so that's how I landed on 6.5 Creedmoor. And I was just like, okay, well, I'm just going to go buy a rifle. Um, at the time, I was shooting for Cobalt. They didn't make any uh, AR-10 frame, right? Large frame. And I say AR- AR-10, and people are like, oh, it's, it's not an AR-10 because only Armalite makes an AR-10. Whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> a large frame AR rifle. Right, I'm just, I just refer to them all as AR-10s, sure. whether it's night, oh. Knight's pattern or Armalite pattern, or it's just easier uh, to GPMS. explain when you say yeah, right. AR-10. Yeah. Okay, so everybody that's what gets I mean. it. Yeah, for all for everybody that's going to freak out out there, that's what I mean. Um, so um, Cobalt didn't make that pattern rifle, so I was like, well, I'll just go buy one. And I got to looking around, and I couldn't find exactly what I wanted. You know, it was either you could buy a really big, fat, heavy. AR-10 rifle, bull barrel, whatever, like uh, PRS-type rifle. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the gas gun series got really popular this year, too. So that was like, that's been a big deal, um, the PRS gas gun series. Um, 
or you could buy like um, I don't know, like a I don't know, what's that company Christensen, isn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah, there's yeah. Yeah, and I think they're like thirty two hundred dollars or thirty five hundred dollars or something somewhere around in there. Yeah. Um, and everything on it's like super high speed, carbon fiber barrel. Yeah. Um, and and I've always shot proof barrels, you know, um, for like the last four or five years of competition, four years probably, um, for reasons, you know, because I. When you're at the top of the game in three gun, you can shoot pretty much whatever equipment you want. And there's a reason I shot proof barrels. We'll right. kind of leave it at that, you know? There you go. Um, so I didn't want to buy that. <clears throat> um, and I couldn't find one that really was going to be like match grade precision, but not be stupid heavy. So mm. it's like, I can't believe this doesn't exist. So I was like, well, I'll just build one. So I took a proof, a uh, 20 inch carbon fiber proof barrel, um, a superlative arms gas block, which if you don't know superlative arms, you need to because they make awesome adjustable gas blocks. Uh, they don't lock up with carbon or anything, real, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started getting this thing together. Um, and I was like, man, we should just, and this is all at the same time that Beastmaster was kind of coming about, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a, a, a business contact that was like, you know, why don't we just form this LLC Beastmaster hunting um, and build rifles. And I was like, you know, I guess we could, um, <laughs> okay. It, yeah. I mean, it was kind of like a whole, uh, let's just do it kind of thing. And I was like, oh, I'll do it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So he's like, I'm um, going to do it anyway, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So by the time I had this rifle built, it kind of became the prototype. And, um, all of last year, 2017 at shot show, I just went around making contact with, everybody that I wanted to be my vendors basically. And because of my career in three gun, I knew most of them already and probably got in with a lot of vendors that I wouldn't have been able to get in with just as Joe blow calling them up saying, you know, Hey, I want to use your stuff. So, uh, what we ended up with is a 20 inch barrel, uh, from proof uh, research, carbon fiber, a, uh, a billet receiver set, from cross machine and tool that's labeled Beastmaster. It actually says cross machine and tool on there also. Um, but he took his design, tweaked it a little bit, put my logo on it and put some like claw marks in the upper receivers. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so I, I pretty much took a precision rifle and kept all of the precision stuff, but got rid of all the, the bullshit that made it real heavy, you know? Um, so it's a billet receiver set. That's, that's part of your precision, right? It's a proof research barrel, which is a very precise barrel. Um, I ended up using a, um, a Midwest Industries handguard, which is just kind of a minimalist handguard. There's nothing super fancy about it. Um, it's just the right length to where the gas block just sticks out the end of it just a little bit. We actually tried to have some of our uh, some handguards made, but they just didn't quite work out. <laughs> so uh oh. let's see what else do, uh timney last year released their pound and a half calvin elite ar trigger just so happens it also works in an ar10 so i mean the the biggest gripe i think i hear from people that hunt with bolt guns over ars is you're never going to get a trigger in an ar as good as my bolt gun oh, which yeah. is true yeah. okay but at a pound and a half the Calvin Elite AR trigger is pretty close. <laughs> right. You know, I actually turned my, tr- uh, my adjustable Calvin Elite triggers in my bolt guns 
that I use for hunting up to a pound and three quarters, just because I like it right there, a pound and three quarters. Right. Sometimes you get them too light, you know. There's yeah, but the pound, the pound and a half, and the uh, uh, and plus with an AR trigger, is you get a little more travel than you do in a bolt gun. So mm-hmm. the pound and a half feels a little bit more, just because you get a little more travel. Yeah. Uh, a uh, a Luth AR MBA four stock, so it's just the basically just the frame of the stock and it's a uh what is that and it's like an injected fiberglass or whatever uh stock so it's super light it's kind of like a polymer fiberglass yeah i've seen mix. the the luth r's or whatever they yeah, yeah. luth they are yeah um and ergo grip because that's i love ergo oh, grips i love ergo the grips. feel of them I do too. you know they're they, they're kind of tacky um let's see what else what about your the, break um so the the rifle because it is uh, it's the Beastmaster hunting rifle, the BMH 10. Um, it doesn't come from the factory or from me with a break on it, because I don't know if, if you're going to want to put your suppressor on it, or if you want to put a break on it, if you want to put a flash rider on it. So I just put a, um, a thread protector on it. Okay. Um, it's kind of a, a bullshit throw. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a bullshit throwaway piece, but because it's a hunting rifle, um, <laughs> If I wasn't going to put a suppressor on it, then I would just shoot it with a thread protector on it because yeah. I don't need the recoil to be managed. It doesn't have a ton of recoil anyway because it's a six five, and I don't want it to blow my eardrums when I shoot it. You know, if I'm not wearing ear pro, did you? Uh, for, which a lot of people don't. Right. Did you talk about your uh, the bolt that you're using? Uh, no, I haven't got there yet. Okay. Um, but if if you ordered one and you said I absolutely have to have this muzzle brake on it, then you know we just tack on the price of the muzzle brake and I'll put it on and send it to you. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's it, the thought was we'll just put a thread protector on it. When you get it, you can put whatever you want on it. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to shoot mine suppressed. So if I'm going to put a direct thread suppressor on it, then I'll just unscrew that, put my suppressor on it, good to go. And this hunt that you're on, it was a uh... A suppressed hunt? Yep, I shot it suppressed. I shoot my rifle suppressed unless it's illegal. You okay. know, so yeah, and that's Idaho, what I was getting at. So it was legal to yeah. to hunt suppressed yep. there. Yeah, and the guides really loved it. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the uh bulk carrier group is made by a vendor for me. Uh it's a nickel bolt nickel boron bolt carrier group. Um you know, super high speed, very high quality. Um but basically it, it's just I'm like kind of like every other, or not every other rifle manufacturer. I'm like 75% of the other rifle manufacturers where I don't actually manufacture any of the parts. I just have them manufactured for me to the spec that I want. Then I assemble uh, test fire and actually shoot a group with all the rifles that I build um, to make sure that they shoot, you know, awesome basically. Sure. Um, <clears throat> because we're just getting started. I've only built about 10. Um, but Every single one of those rifles has shot sub three quarter inch groups with box ammo. That's just, you know, with ammo that you can go buy off the shelf. Any sort of special buffer system you're using? uh, Nope. Because like, you know, like we talked about, it's a, it's a hunting rifle, you know? Mm -hmm. So the, uh, the adjustable gas block is on there. So that way, if you switch ammo, because six, five ammo suppressed or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and and the suppressor is a big part of that, but also ammo with a six five, you can go all the way down to like an eighty grain bullet, or you can go up to a hundred forty seven grain bullet. Oh, so there's shit. a huge variance in yeah. ammo. So you need that adjustable gas, and plus um, AR tens in general are pretty finicky about their about how their gas. I mean, you experienced that whenever I, we were I was going to say, hunting. I found that out yeah. firsthand on the, the yeah. Hulk hunt with so, my Nordic three hundred eight. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's just, you know, you need that adjustable and gas. And since then, they started putting adjustable gas blocks on them. There you go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, nothing fancy um, with the buffer system. It is a carbine buffer system because we have the collapsible NBA4 stock on there. Um, and the reason I did that is because um, I don't like fixed stocks on rifles. In the uh, NBA4, you can get to the spot you want it, and then you can tighten this one screw down, and mm-hmm. it'll make it where it doesn't move. Yeah. <clears throat> so you get that rigidity. Um, and plus, if you put a thermal optic on it, uh, you have to have your eye really close to the thermal. You probably experienced that, too, whenever you were down here. Mm-hmm. You have to have your eye really close. So if you had a long stock, you wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of things that uh, I came up with that are kind of different, and I don't know of anybody that's ever done it before. Um I actually put a, an extra hole in the receiver set, um, and it's so you can run like your battery cable from your electronic optic back to your stock. And oh, okay, that's smart. The, yeah, the little hole there is for a wire guide. Yeah, so you can take a, um, and I've got the part number if anybody needs it, uh, or I've got some of the parts that'll go out with the, if you order it that way. Um, but it's basically like a dash plug for uh, like a Chevy. Yeah. Uh, whatever dash, just those little plastic plugs, you know, and then you take a wire guide, um, from wherever home Depot and you run your battery cable through that, stick that plug into the receiver and hold your wire real close to the receiver. You put another one on the stock. Uh, and then I've got this fiberglass, um, these two fiberglass pieces that will hold a battery pack and a DVR kind of in the middle of that NBA four stock. So it just cleans it all up, you know, whenever you're, uh, I think whenever you were down here, I didn't have those pieces made yet. So whenever we were no, filming all that, yeah. yeah, whenever we were filming all that, it's just like the battery pack and the DVR just go in these like pouches that are zip tied or strapped to or bungee corded to your gun. They're flopping all over the place and the wires are going, to, I hated it. <laughs> <clears throat> so I was like, well, listen, I mean, you put a lot of thought into this, this design of this rifle and yeah, you know, I mean, and that's really specific to if you're running an electronic optic mm-hmm. or uh, whatever, but that's kind of, you know, what I was going but that's for. that's modern that, day. I mean, that's what, you know, a lot of these manufacturers aren't thinking of, but that's, you know, a lot of the problems that modern day shooters run into because, you know, people are running yeah. all these different, you know, cameras and optics and things on there that have the wires. And it doesn't hinder anything. It doesn't cost you anymore mm-hmm. um, because whenever I have that machined, I literally gave them the spec and the location of the hole and they put one more hole in it. That didn't cost me any extra. So it doesn't cost you any extra, you know? There you go. Um, so speaking if you of cost, <laughs> yeah. Speaking um, of cost, what are we, uh, what are we looking at for a Beastmaster hunting? So I'm um, doing it a few different ways. The, uh, speaking of coyote tan earlier, we were talking about that. Uh-huh. Um, the, uh, you can get it in black with a tan stock and tan grip, or you can get it in kind of our version of coyote tan, which um, is pretty cool. Um, we kind of came up with it just messing around and Cerakote. Uh, whenever you, if you get a black one, it's it's black anodized. Yeah. Um, but if you get a tan one, it's actually. Oh, let's see, how did we do it? Do you mix the, some colors? No. No. So you take the black anodized pieces. We you may not want to give your secret away. Oh man, come on! It's easy to figure out. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. But okay. Well, here. Okay. All right. I'll take your advice. But uh, <laughs> basically, it's we uh, we take the black anodized pieces and we make it so that you can cerakote directly over the black anodizing without taking the anodizing all the way down, mm-hmm. or even down a little bit. 
Um, and it makes a really cool, and we spray it on real light. So we call it ghosted coyote. That's kind of what we came up with for now. Okay. Uh, it it kind of makes it a brownish, tannish, black, like gives it kind of a marbling. And then when it wears, it wears really cool. Now, do like, you have these um, on your site right now? Are they up and for people to go um, look? And, and when's, the, when's this podcast going to be posted? Uh, it's going to be Monday. Monday. Um, they might be up Monday, but if not, they're going to be up very soon because they're, they're supposed to have already been up. <laughs> okay. And your but, website uh, again? Beastmasterhoney.com. Beastmasterhoney.com. So you guys go check. It may not be up yet by the time you hear this, but it, it'll be soon after. So Yeah. Oh, and we never did get to a price. So anyway, there's a couple different options. It'll go from anywhere from about $2,900 to about $3,500, depending on what you want. Uh, yeah, Cerakote and the fiberglass stock pieces whether you want those or not and then i'm actually doing an option where i'll ship you like a builder's kit and you build it and that's going to be obviously the cheaper the lower end of that um so i'm going to send you all the parts that i would use to build it but then you assemble um, it yourself you have to build it or have it built and then obviously you know i'm it won't be test fired and and checked by me because you built it but um yeah you can you can save a little bit of money doing that moa Um, on those aren't guaranteed (laughs) <laughs> right yeah and you know we hadn't really come up with a guarantee on ml i always think it's kind of cheesy whenever people say it's guaranteed guaranteed to be sub moa dude sub moa is pretty easy to achieve these days right um I, so that that may be the guarantee sub MOA. like i said i hadn't come up with it yet i can tell you everyone that i've built so far has been under three quarters of a minute and most of them have been under a half minute the one i'm shooting right now the one what that you, I built for myself. What you guarantee is that the bullet will come out the right end. The the one that I'm shooting right now, the first two shots through the barrel were like the uh, the fouling shots, right? Mm-hmm. But even though they were the fouling shots, they were touching, which is kind of it's strange for the first shot ever through a barrel to be touching the next shot. They're usually like uh, several inches apart at 100 yards, mm-hmm. and then on you know it gradually increases uh, in accuracy. But with these barrels, with the proof barrels, I found that you get one fouling shot and then the rest of them stack on top of each other. But with this one, the fouling shots were touching each other, and then the next three shots were almost through the exact same hole. And this is at 100 yards. Oh, nice. Uh, as the second shot. So I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. You know, and that's with me pulling the trigger. You know, that's not, I don't lock them in a vice um, or anything stupid like that. It's yeah. like, I want real world conditions. So I just pick a day that the weather looks good and go sit, put a bipod on it and uh, a sandbag on the back. And that's me pulling the trigger, looking through like a 21 power optic at a hundred yards. So it's, it's no, no computers or machinery doing the work. It's actually real life um, shooting super tight groups. So um, yeah, there you go guys. That's how you can get your own Beastmaster hunting rifle coming soon. Yes, sir. Um, Somebody asked me about the warranty the other day. Uh, all the parts that I use are warranted through the original manufacturers. So that's not an issue. Okay. That's um, good. To they're, know. they all stand behind their products and I will too. You know, if you have a rifle that breaks apart or whatever, you can either send it to me and I'll call the manufacturer of my, or my vendor and, and get the part replaced depending on how, you know, if you ran over it with your car or whatever, obviously it's not going to be warranted, yeah. but I Shipping guess you could say with, um, a magazine. What magazine are you using? Yeah. It'll come with a 20 round, uh, P mag P mag. Um, okay. yeah. But yeah, I guess you could say uh, it's warranted against manufacturer defect would be the best best way to say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. Oh. Speaking of shipping, this is the coolest part of this gun, right? Okay. So, um, 
every time you order a rifle and you go pick it up at your FFL, what what's that process like? Run me through that. So you go and you fill out the uh, the form. Yep. Uh, they check your ID. Yep. Um, you wait a couple of seconds, then you give them your ten bucks, and then you're done. Right, and they they go back in the back and they get your rifle and they hand you some big ass box. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> That's usually a piece of shit. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, just a big cardboard box. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, okay. So, I mean, depends on who you, I think, what is it? Remington ships them in like a cardboard box. It's got like a foam cutout in it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but most ARs you'll get them and they'll be in a cardboard box. And then inside that cardboard box is some like, what Plastic. is that? Kind of, yeah. Like flambeau or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Some, like, some sort of cheap. Yeah. Yeah. And what they're, they're not good for anything. You can't lock them. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can't use them to fly with or anything like that. And they're not, I, I have a stack of like seven of them that I'm looking at right now. And it's like, what am I going to do with those? They fill up my trash can. They just in general piss me off because right. they're kind of useless. Useless. Yeah. So if you buy a Beastmaster hunting rifle and you go to your FFL to pick it up, you give them your $10, you fill out your 4473. Uh, they're going to bring you your cardboard box that the rifle shipped in. And uh, inside that cardboard box is going to be some packing to keep it safe. But uh, your rifle will be inside a coyote pelt. A coyote instead of, pelt. Yeah, instead of a box. So <laughs> that's that's definitely unique. Is that uh, is that violating any sort of uh Nope. Any any laws or anything? Okay. Nope. I have it I have I have it in writing that uh, it's legal. Okay. So I actually checked on that because um there that's are a big coyote pelt. Yeah, they're good. I mean uh so well, so there it's, you go. That's unique. It, yeah, it's it's and it's something that you know, people. I so guess when I people, order mine, I want a bobcat pelt. Okay, now bobcat, we actually have to get a CITES permit. Oh, I, we do. We got a little uh, extra yeah. step for that, huh? To ship those over state lines, you have to have a CITES permit because they're they're governed differently. Um, I'll, I'll just come pick it up in, <laughs> in Texas. I'll keep the, my pelt uh, in Texas. Plus, bobcat pelts are expensive. Yeah, um, yeah. I was but, just kidding. Yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, no, so that's just kind of something that, you know, if you order a Beastmaster hunting rifle, then, uh, I mean, and don't get me wrong, it, it would make a great PRS rifle. One of the guys, um, that does some work, some website and stuff work for me. Um, Luke Crawford actually shot, uh, his rifle at, uh, the mammoth sniper challenge in Kentucky, mm-hmm. um, this last weekend. So, uh, and it shot, and it was, it was awesome for that. Uh, oh, and we talked about all this weight savings and, you know, mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Um, well, so the rifle, the come, yeah, yeah, the the rifle comes in at, uh, with without the fiberglass um, attachments on the stock, which wouldn't add a whole lot. Um, it comes in at eight pounds, one ounce. So Without the pelt, without the fiberglass, eight pounds, one ounce. Right. Uh, and that's empty. So it's it's that's not, not super it's well, not 20, super light. But for a 20-inch, though, I mean, that's not bad. Yeah, and, and and like I said, I wasn't trying to set out and make the lightest rifle I could. I could knock another two pounds off of that, but it's not going to be as accurate or yeah. as reliable as what it is. You know, there's some companies out there making some uh, uppers and lowers that are really quite a bit lighter, but you can take with your hands and you can you can actually twist them. <laughs> you know, so and that's not what you that's want. Not what for you ac- want. No, not you know, out for hunting. Ac- yeah, for and for accuracy, durability, and reliability, you've uh, I mean, you've you've almost got to have the precision of a billet receiver set. Well, I'm excited um, to get mine. So, 
So do I got to get uh, on a list or something? How do we how do we get this started? Man, it's uh, it it's open availability right now. I've got uh, I did it right. You know, it's not like I don't have a six month lead time that turns into a year and six month lead time. Not yet. It's like, yeah, if if you call me and order one, uh, then after shot show, obviously, because I'm going to be out of town for a week, I will probably build it the next day, test fire it the day after that, and ship it that day. So boom. Um, I I I'd say I'm at a week right now. Just you know, just so that way I can go out and get everything squared away, and I'll send you your send you your test target and everything. Very cool. So. Uh, but yeah, so a coyote pelt is, uh, is how I'm shipping them. So that way, and you know, it's, people might get butthurt about it. You know, they, it's, it's, well, but you shouldn't be buying the Beastmaster hunting rifle. Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, if you do get butthurt about it, I already got your money. You know? so. <laughs> <It's> non-refundable. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of been the adventure over the last year is developing this rifle and then really seeing it come to what it is and, and, proving the theory and are you bringing it um, out to shot show you bringing one out to shot show no because uh you know you can't take them into shot and then you gotta sign the whole little agreement saying you won't try to sell anybody anything there yeah Uh, Yeah. um which you know it it, it's not a place that i would try and sell something anyway because um shot show for me is i'm gonna go talk to all my vendors yeah and just say hey shake hands see if there's anything new that I could add to the, add to the rifle or whatever, which I don't think there will be. Um, it, uh, you just never know, man, as the technology keeps improving, there might be some, some other little tweak you might need to do to it. Yeah. Or I, where I really see a change is I've got a, uh, I've got an account set up where I can sell thermals and everything like that, because that's what I hunt with. Mm-hmm. Um, where I see a change in availability would probably be something different with the thermal optics. So if you called me and you said, I want a rifle exactly like what you hunt with, you know, then, then I'll, I'll send it to you exactly like I hunt with it, except for without the suppressor. Mm. Um, but with the thermal, with the battery pack, with everything like that. So I could see some kind of new thermal coming out or some changes to the thermals. Yeah. Something like that, you know, but as far as, you know, I don't see myself changing the stock. Um, a stock is a simple change anyway, and it's only like a, it's only like a $65 piece retail. So maybe just like the muzzle bar, maybe like a personal kind of preference. Yeah. I mean, if, 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 if it was like a make or break to the deal and you called me and said, I want to order a rifle, but if you send it to me with that Luthar stock, then I'm out, then I'll say, okay, what stock do you want? And then you can either send me one or I'll go get one and I'll add it to the invoice and won't charge you for the loose stock, you know? So there, there is, uh, some room for a customization, um, just, you know, it's, it's not going to be the set price. So, yeah. and I think that's, that's what I did is I built the rifle that I want to shoot, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and I use those piece, every piece on that gun has a specific reason as to why I use it, right. you know, um, trigger stuff like the triggers and things like that are probably going to be non-negotiable. Um, just because that trigger is the absolute best trigger on the market, especially for an AR 10 yeah. and especially for a hunting. Well, at some point, I mean, it's like it ceases to become the beast master rifle. If people start changing, yeah. you know, yeah, it just stuff, becomes so. something with a receiver set. The, right. the handguard is probably going to be a deal breaker. You know, if you don't like my handguard, then sorry. Don't buy it. Um, yeah. Well, and, and here's why I tested like six different handguards and you know, there's not just a ton of AR 10 handguards out there. And, um, the one that was the most consistent and the most reliable was this Midwest handguard. Um, you know, with the other handguards, I had issues with, uh, like deflection 
uh, on the gas block where the gas block would actually touch it during under recoil um, or the way that the handguard connected to the rifle was unreliable because the barrel nut system, uh, you know, it had an aluminum and a steel barrel nut that didn't line up or what, you know, it just all kinds of little things. And this took me a year to, to come up with. And this is like, you know, I mean, you know, I shoot a lot. Oh yeah. You know? So it wasn't like I just built a rifle. Well, it's like I said, I mean, you put a lot of thought into this, into this design and this rifle. And like I said, this is something that, that you wanted. Right. The, the prototype, um, so in December, November or December, the prototype was shot out. So I shot out the barrel and the prototype, uh, you know, the, uh, the barrel life on these things is anywhere from, I would say 2,500 to 5,500, depending on how you treat the gun, you know, how hot you get it and everything like that, how, how fast you shoot large Mm -hmm. volumes of ammo. And, uh, the, that, so that tells you how, how, uh, how much I shot. (laughs) I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it was closer to the 3000 marker was closer to the 5000 mark because I wasn't keeping track of the ammo, but I got to the point where it was like time to build a new one. Not, and you know, the rest of the gun was fine. I could have just rebarreled it. Yeah. Um, but there were some things that were a little bit different on the prototype and on the production model. And if I'm hunting with it, then I want to show people the production model. So I yeah. built one for myself, but yeah, man, it's, uh, it's exciting. So that's kind of like what my year has been like. So it's going to be your, yeah, this is your 2018 uh, kickoff here with the, the Beastmaster hunting yeah. rifle. Love yeah, it, man. And, Love it. And I've told a few people about it. I mean, you knew about it and, mm-hmm. and uh, there's probably a handful of other people that knew about it. And then everybody else that's been like, what's been going on this year? Nothing. You know, <laughs> you know <laughs> shooting. Um, well, very cool. So uh, you guys make sure you go check out Beastmaster hunting. Uh, they've got the YouTube channel and is, have you fixed that towards Beastmaster hunting now or is that still, it's still under Nick Atkinson, but if you just go to YouTube and you search Beastmaster Hunting, it'll it'll bring it up. We got enough. We got enough of our little, I don't know, little spiders crawling out there now. I think it works. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I'm yeah. pretty sure if so you just turn- Google Beastmaster Hunting, it'll come up. Um, YouTube, Facebook, it, yeah. Instagram, and then of course the website is where you guys are going to be able to go here very soon and yeah. order your rifles. So. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it uh, should be this week, and we've got all our t-shirts and hats. Oh, I've got some more hats coming um, that I like a little bit better. Uh, if anybody's familiar with the hunting gear that we talked about in the bear episode, uh, Kuyu, I actually got some of their blank hats. So oh, they're okay. not They're their camo pattern, their hat, but they're not logo Kuyu, and bring I'm having... One, bring me one to shop. <laughs> I will if I have them, because I'm having um, Velcro put on them, so that way you can take our patch... Nice. And uh, put on the hat. So there will be like a patch hat combo, yeah, Kuyu, like camo pattern, and verde, and then bias. So Very cool. uh, that'll be some new hats that will be on the website here pretty soon, too. So, so uh, before we go, there was one other thing we wanted to touch on real quick. I know this is a long-ass show, so we're already over two we hours. We always go long. you gotta, <laughs> you got to quit just telling me we're just going to go as long as it takes because like, well, that's what we'll we talk do. forever. We'll just, we'll just keep going. Um, so – Earlier off air, you and I were kind of looking through some things, and then you had mentioned this. You were looking for news. You were looking yeah, for we're looking news. looking for news, and you gave me some news, something I hadn't heard of yet. So there's this company out there called uh, Franklin Armory, yeah. And you guys may be familiar with them because they do that binary trigger that where you pull it, you know, it'll discharge, and then when you let off the trigger to reset, it discharges again. Mm-hmm. Um. I've used that. I've used something similar. I don't think it was Franklin Army, but there was another product that I used that was similar to that. I don't see the 
the need for that. I don't, don't really care for those. But they've got uh, supposedly a way around the SBR tax stamp. <clears throat> right. And they're, I guess they're going to release it at, at SHOT Show. They're you know making a big buzz about it right now. Uh, but if you go to their website, Franklin Armory, uh, they haven't said they haven't said how either. Haven't said how or any. There's no details. There's just a picture of a so, SB. It looks like looks to be an SBR. It's an 11 inch, 11 and barrel, half inch. Yeah, yeah. What looks like a rifle with a collapsible stock, right? That's what it looks like. So yeah. it's a Magpul we SL stock. It's got on it. We were talking about this, you know, before we started recording, and theory or I told you I had a theory you had a as theory to how, as they're, to how they're getting away with this. Yeah. Okay, so uh are you familiar with the shockwave shotgun? Yes. Um, so the way they get around that or part of it is it's a smooth bore, right? So it's not a rifle because it's a smooth bore. Okay. But it has a pistol grip and no stock. And the definition of a shotgun is it has a stock, okay, but it's manufactured with a pistol grip, so it's not a shotgun. Okay. And it's not a pistol because it doesn't have rifle a rifled barrel, yeah. right? And it file and it fires a shotgun a shotgun cartridge, so it's not defined as a pistol, a rifle, or a shotgun, right? Okay. So the only thing I could come up with is if they're doing it the same way, as far as it's not meeting the definition of a pistol, a rifle, or a shotgun, right? So they don't so, have rifling in the barrel. Here's my theory. Okay, it is a rifle. It's not defined as a rifle because what I think is maybe they've got like an inch of smooth bore. And so it's a one inch barrel, a one inch smooth bore barrel and a 10 inch rifled compensator. That's, that's what I'm guessing. <laughs> it's a, it's a 10 inch muzzle device. That's, that's what, that's my guess. Oh this my is 100% my guess. Okay. Or or maybe it's a six inch barrel with a six inch rifle comp on it or whatever. But ha- wouldn't that still screw up your? Uh, I don't know. Your shots. I mean, it works really good with. Uh, I mean, like sh- you can get uh, rifled shotgun chokes. You know. Right. I don't know. That's just my theory. Okay. I mean, that, and, and it, that and makes it more sense than anything that I can just sit here looking at because the everything it looks I'm looking like at right now looks like yeah, looks just like so. It's a, so if that's the case. It's not a pistol because it has a stock. It's not a shotgun because it fires a cartridge. But it's not a rifle because it has a smooth bore. So it doesn't fit the definition of any of those firearms. Right. I guess. <laughs> I guess, yeah. We're going to find I mean, I, out. We'll find out in... That's the only thing I could think. If anybody, seven days? If anybody can come up with something, some theory so better here's than what that. I'm going to do. I'm going to try to get in touch with these guys. Franklin Armory, and I'm going to try to get him on the show at Shot Show, and uh, we'll we'll hear it firsthand. How about that? Let's do it. Let's do that. And it's or called maybe, the uh, Reformation, is what they're calling it. Yeah, something like that. Or maybe maybe they're calling. It, maybe they manufacture it as a pistol, and they say the stock is not a stock or something. I don't know, but it no, looks it like it says a stock. A stock they, on it. they say right, it's a Magpul SL stock. I mean, they yeah. they print it right there in black and white. So. Yeah, that's the only thing I could think is it's got to be, it's got to be some combination of a smoothbore with some type of rifling device. Hmm. And you know, like we talked about earlier, is everybody can kind of claim like one inch one MOA is kind of like a throwaway deal now. But if I bet it would shoot a minute, 
<laughs> shoot, 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 well, is yeah, that so? Do you do you see the muzzle device that's on that right now? Does that look like anything you've seen before? No, here, let me pull up a picture of it. But no, it looks um, like a three prong. Yeah, it kind of looks like a silencer co trifecta or whatever it's called. I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, see that. I, I kind of looked at that earlier, and it. No, that's not one of the. That's not one of the silencer codes. They make one of their own. They've got a. Um, a Franklin, Franklin does. Yeah. If you go under their parts and go to their muzzle devices, it looks like it's one of their uh, triumover. Triumover. Is that what's their website? Franklin FranklinArmory.com. I mean, does it look like one of those? It looks like what they've got on that one, yeah. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Or maybe that's part of the muzzle device. Well, they may they may have that, and they just may have extended it, you know. Maybe. I mean, you'd have to have some pretty precise machining to do what I'm talking about, which is possible. I mean, you know. It's... Well, they are making binary triggers, so. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, where are you finding it? Under upper parts. parts. Just go to parts. Compensators uh, and flash yeah. suppressors. Yeah, right there. Yeah, it, yeah, it kind of looks like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I think it is one of those. But, you know, maybe that's part of the, maybe that's part of the deal. It's just on the end of it or something. Right. They just did the longer version of it. Yeah. All I know is there's going to be some people at this booth. At Shot Show. <laughs> right. It's going to be like when X Products first came out with that drum, AR drum magazine. Everybody's like, what? What is this? It's not a beta mag? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? But it's not say- they're not saying on here that it's approved, NFA approved. It just says no tax stamp. No, yeah, they are. They're, uh, it says it ships with a letter of approval. Where do you see that at? Oh, I don't remember. It, it doesn't was- say it on their, yeah, on their website. Yeah, and it says it uses patent pending technology. So that's what makes me think it's something to do with the barrel. The barrel, probably. A whole new market segment that will not require NFA approval until the ATF says it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> until another bozo goes wacko in Vegas. Yeah, so I mean, this is kind of one of those things where it's like, man, do I want to buy one of these or not? Because I'm, what I'm afraid of well, is I'm find I out buy what it is one. first. Well, I buy one. Yeah, okay. Well, assuming that it's something pretty cool, like an 11-inch rifle that you don't have to get a tax stamp for, Yeah. Um, which would be cool. I would buy one. Um, or what I really want is like an 8-inch. But uh, that's a that's a sound bite for you to save. Um, <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> but uh, what I'd be afraid of is I'd buy one, and then, you know, in six months or a year or two years or however long, the ATF comes out and says, well, we made them illegal. You know, or whatever. Right. Well, it's kind of like they did with the braces, and they came out and said, you know, you can shoot them however the fuck you want to. And then they came back, well, no, you can't shoulder them. And then they came back and said, yeah, whatever. And, you know, and then they came back and said, but, yeah, you can do whatever. But this is a little different when you're talking about probably a thousand or twelve hundred dollar gun versus a fifty dollar brace. You know, yeah, the fifty dollar brace you can just pull off your pistol, air quotes, pistol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I've got them. I use them. I love them. Yeah, I've I've got one too. Um, But this is a little different. It's like, what do you do with your $1,200 rifle now? Do you go get it engraved and submit a tax stamp and take it apart until... Until they decide what's going to happen? Until you get your tax stamp. Yeah, I mean, it's weird, you know? But hey, you got to give it to them. That's some badass marketing right there. It's got us talking about it, definitely. So uh, that's something I wanted to to throw out there before we signed off here because I want... It's uh, got an ergo grip on it too. I did. I saw that. I was like, that's one good thing about it. It's got ergo grip. 
like yeah. uh, my boy Ernie Sandoval over there hooking them up. So, <laughs> so we wanted to throw that out there um, before we wrapped up the show. Yeah, tell everybody to put in the comments like what what do you think it is? Yeah, so let's do it. We'll do we'll run a little contest. So um, when I post this on Facebook and, and Instagram, social medias, uh, you guys leave a little comment as to what you think, how they're getting around the uh, SBR tax stamp on this. And uh, I'll give away, I've got some nice Glock swag that I'll give away. And speaking of, um, I'm going to do a, um, a giveaway this episode too. And I'm going to let Nick pick the winner. And the winner's going to get some nice Glock swag. Uh, uh, shooting sport foundation swag kind of dang what what are, what are we just randomly picking people <laughs> yeah we're just gonna yeah we're just gonna randomly pick somebody so what i want you to do is go to let's see where should we go to i went to instagram last giveaway was from instagram a guy posted a comment on one of my posts mm-hmm. and he won a tactical squirrel uh box for december Nice. Which was loaded with some awesome stuff in it. So you guys can go to our uh, Instagram page and see what all he won there. Let's go, since we did Instagram, let's go to Facebook. Okay. So go to Talking Lights Facebook page. And go to the uh, the the post I've got pinned to the top there. Um, the Glock episode. Yep. The TLP 22... Two two nine. Since I'm giving away Glock stuff, we might as well do a Glock post. So there's, yep. It this went out to, oh gosh, almost fifteen thousand people. So of the fifteen thousand people, when it's like I got about forty three or forty five uh, likes. Yep. Can you? Are you able to click on that and see everybody who liked it? Um. Yes. Okay. So just randomly go down through there. Um. And pick somebody. Okay. Let's see. Sorry, I can't pick anybody that I know. So it already rules out like half of these. <laughs> uh, actually, all 45. Okay. Yeah, Chad um, can't win. Chad Enos cannot win. Sorry, yeah, Chad. neither can Kalani. Kalani can't win. No. Um, let's say... How about John Paul Ryan? He loved it. He and Chad Enos loved. Oh, Glock. that that's a oh, so they're the only ones that loved it, huh? There was yeah, of the forty-five, only two people loved it. I think, uh, I think, oh, and he lives in he lives in Texas. Yeah, I think he wins. Let's do John. All right, John Paul Ryan, you are the winner of a nice little Glock Shooting Sports uh, Foundation swag package that I'm going to put together for you. So um, hopefully you listen you listen to the show. And uh, just shoot me an email at talkinglet at gmail.com or hit me up on Facebook. Just private message me on uh, on uh, Facebook. And uh, I want to get your contact info to where we need to mail this. So John Paul Ryan, R-I-N-E. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you for doing that, Nick. I'm sure, sure John appreciates that as well. So I'm, I'm trying to make it easy. So this is our fifth year. We're celebrating Talking Let's fifth year this year, Nick. And we're going to be just giving away stuff at random all year long. I like it. And the prizes are going to get bigger and better as we go. So you, nice. Uh, you let heads stay tuned. Uh, big thanks again to all the sponsors of the show. Right on, uh, right on USA.com, Frontier Tactical, FrontierTactical.com, X Steel Targets, X Steel Targets.com, Modern Spartan Systems, Modern Spartan Systems.com, High Threat Concealment, uh, High Threat Concealment.com. And these websites are easy. And, um, 
VanQuest. VanQuest uh, is VanQuest.com. So check out all our sponsors, all the friends of the show. Make sure you're supporting them. And uh, like I said, with the giveaways going uh, all year long, I'm sure all these companies are going to step up and have some nice giveaways for you leadheads. And uh, don't forget that leadhead discount code as, as you're going and shopping and getting all these awesome prizes. In 1776, our new shirts are out. Go to 1776united.com and get your new Leadhead Brigade t-shirt. Probably going to have a contest related to those like we did uh, a couple of years back where we gave away an AR. So stay tuned for that as well. Nick, again, thank you so much for taking the time to be on. Looking forward to seeing you in a couple of days here at SHOT Show. Yes, sir. It's going to be a good time. And and can we can we talk about our secret thing? I mean, just say that we're working on a secret thing, or should we not uh, talk about it at all? I, yeah, I, let's let's save it for talking about it at shot. So that way, maybe we can have our secret partner involved also. Okay. Can I leave all that in? All our secret stuff we just said. <laughs> yeah. Why not? It'll give people incentive to listen to the shot show episode. There you go. Well, I mean, there's going to be incentive enough because we're going to have some awesome people on. We're going to have Michael Bain is going to be joining us. Uh, we've got him scheduled. We've got the uh, Lucky Shot. Have you heard of Lucky Shot? Uh, company mm-hmm. they make Sounds familiar. they make a lot of products um, that are based on um, things that our military men and women like during World War One, World War Two made while they were at war, just using the materials around and you know big shells and things like that. That's so, cool. So mugs and shot glasses and they make these really cool glasses that have bullets in them, um, like. Oh, yeah, I have Whiskey seen that. It looks glasses, like the bullets, yeah, it looks like glasses. the bullets coming out of them, right? Well, it's like it's going in them. Well, yeah, it looks like they're yeah being shot through them or whatever. Yes, yeah. yeah. So we're gonna have those guys on. Uh, again, we're gonna be in the Caltech booth uh, all four days. Uh, lots and lots of companies lined up. New new companies that you guys haven't heard from yet. So I'm really excited about this. We're trying to get the black. Uh, is it Black Rifle Coffee Company? You heard of that? I have trying to to work out maybe getting those guys on too so that'll be that'll be cool Cool. so all right nick as always tell the leadheads oh yeah uh well no you got to start it right you want me to start it i thought you always started it i do but you know i like to mix mix it up you can't mix it up it's confusing (laughs) it screws me (laughs) up man so as always leadheads keep your loved ones close keep your hound dogs closer you boogers booger Mm -hmm. huck He's a good boy.